Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Eternity of Basketball. We're going to have episode 199, but before that, we remind you we're part of the Globally Balling Network, most trending episodes on the YouTube channel of Globally Balling for AEOB. Bogs Adornado is at number one. That's episode 100 all the way down to episode 66. Chito Loisago, which one's your favorite? Keep watching us on the YouTube channel. Globallyballing.com. Check out original articles, audio and video projects. The Globally Balling Network. Catch us live on the Twitter page of Globally Balling. Follow us right now. And link tree slash globally ball is the link you need for all of that for easy access. Okay, here we go. Episode 199. I'm Charlie Kuna together with Noel Zarate. You're on mute, Noel. And Sid Ventura. And uh, today, our guest, wow, uh, what a privilege for us to have him. 12 year NBA veteran, played in an era where some of the best centers in basketball history played some ball. He banged with them, he was, he was able to, to try to keep them out of the paint. You know, and uh, probably got some elbows as well from some of these great guys. He's got a, his own podcast. It's called We Got Next. We'll talk about that later on. He's a big man from Kansas University. And he does a lot of coaching as well nowadays. So let's bring him in all the way from Las Vegas in the U.S. Coach Paul Mokeski. Thanks for coming on the show, Coach. Viva Las Vegas, baby. No, it's great to be here. Uh, I want to make this show the next trending show. You have. Oh, wow. I, I wish. I wish. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. I wonder what you're going to say later on to make us trend. Uh, you never know what I might say. <laughs> I, got, I, yeah, got, so I, just, I got Charles Barkley uh, stories. I got all kinds of stuff. Oh, oh that's Bring good. it on. Oh, wow. Bring it on. Okay. Yeah. Bring it on. That's right. Bring it on. You know, and just to let you know, uh, Coach, uh, Noel and Sid are, are big Celtic fans. Uh-oh. And I'm a Laker fan. So, you know, <laughs> just, just to get that out of the way right away. Okay. Yeah. So, Remind me to no, tell I like, you. No, I like the Bucks. Back. I like, yeah, I like the Bucks during your time. Yeah. Remind <laughs> me to tell you the, uh, the Red Arback story. Uh, oh, okay. please. Yes, but, uh, yes. We're going we're gonna to get there, guys. We're gonna get there. I, will make, I will make that a highlight. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's start from the start, Coach, Coach Paul. Why did you choose basketball? Is it, was it because of the height or, or what made you start in this sport that we all love? No, I mean, uh, my dad played basketball uh, in college. He played at the University of Detroit. And then he ended up playing at Gonzaga. Um, he was 6'4". He played center back then. Um, and, uh, you know, when I was, you know, I had a basketball in my in, in my crib. I had a basketball in my hands when the basketball was bigger than me. So it wasn't the height. It was the love of the game and how I felt, uh, you know, on the basketball court. Uh, and that increased as I got older and better. Uh, and, uh, you know, Growing from a uh, 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 one of the tallest kids in school, 
skinny, kind of gawky, uh, very shy, didn't like to be in the public that much because uh, kids made fun of me and, and, and people stared like they still do. Uh, but on the basketball court, when I got better, that was like a haven for me. I knew I was one of the better players. I knew what I was doing, and I loved the game. Since I was a little kid, shooting baskets in my front yard when my dad would come home from work and sit on the stoop and show me the running hook, and, and he used to shoot a push shot. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the the love of basketball uh, grows on you, but I think it's in you from an early age, at least as, you know, the, the many, many Hall of Famers I played with or coached me, they've had that that passion since they were little, and it was in me very, very young. Did you gravitate did you gravitate to the center position, or did you want to be a guard when you started? Uh, who were your early influences? Uh, I wore number 44. I have my Kansas jersey. I have my Bucks jersey hanging here in my office. I was 44 throughout high school, college, and 11 years in the NBA because of some guy uh, named Jerry West. Jerry West. And, yeah. and that was my idol growing up. And, you know, I, I was tall, uh, but I could shoot the basketball. And, right. you know, and back then, I, you know, I could shoot from, from distance. I wasn't allowed to in games. You know, because back then centers weren't allowed to shoot and you weren't allowed to dribble. You're supposed to outlet the ball. Uh, but I could do all those things. And, uh, you know, Jerry West was early uh, in my life. I, I watched him with I grew up in the Los Angeles area. So he was obviously a Los Angeles Laker and he's the logo. But that's why I wore number 44. And that's my first really uh, uh, influence in the NBA uh, level. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask uh, earlier, uh, did you even dabble in any other sports because you know how it is in the states that like you play baseball football you know etc so did you do that well they used to now it's it's very rare and i think that's wrong uh i played i played baseball till i was uh in high school and uh i played every position i pitched first base obviously i played third i played all the outfields uh, uh i was a very good fielder then I got up against the curveball and I couldn't hit that. So that was the end of that. Uh, I played football since until I was in eighth grade. And then when I got up to the uh, tackle level, you know, getting hit a couple of times, didn't want to play that anymore. But <laughs> in soccer or, you know, football wasn't very big back then. Uh, but I'm sure if it was, I would have played that to start with. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up playing. Uh, you know, all kinds of different sports. I love baseball. Uh, my dad played baseball. He played softball. Um, so, yeah, I think and I think uh, uh, the, the young kids today are losing out when they really laser focus on basketball or soccer or whatever, tennis, whatever, you know, they miss out on, on the other adventures of different sports. I agree. Um, another agree another sport that you might have excelled in, Coach, would be uh, would have been volleyball. Like I, we know Will Chamberlain played a lot of volleyball yeah. as well. I grew up in San Fernando Valley out in outside of LA. So uh, I played beach volleyball, two on two beach volleyball to actually get in shape uh, because, you know, jumping and running on that sand is no joke. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you end up, you ended up in a, uh, in high school, you played for a place called Crespi, right? That, that was, yes. that was your high school. And it was that, was that because it's near your area? That's where, that's where your, your, your folks sent you to study or is it, a, was it the high school that, that you went to because there's a good basketball program. There was, uh, it's in my area, but uh, it wasn't the public school I was supposed to go to, but my parents 
at that point didn't want to, they weren't very impressed with public schools in the Los Angeles area. And uh, so they sent me to Crespi, which is a private all boys school uh, mm -hmm. of uh, 700 students. Uh, but at the same time, I was pretty, I was recruited by them also. The, the best players in my area who were really good, by the way, uh, played uh, at Crespi. And uh, there was a coach there. His name was Bill Hedlund. And uh, he played for um, uh, Jerry Tarkanian at Long Beach State way back mm -hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he was a player. And, uh, you know, we were undefeated as freshmen. We lost two games as sophomores and eight as juniors. And then we lost two as seniors. Uh, the final four in my high school, my senior year in, in our area, it was Verbin Day. That was David Greenwood and Roy Hamilton. Mm -hmm. uh, Ver, uh, uh, Palace Verdes, that was Bill Lambeer. Mm -hmm. And Inglewood, that was Reggie Theus. And then, oh, wow. I, so that was, uh, I mean, there was the talent my senior year in high school in that area was, there was also Brad Holland who went to UCLA. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, th there was uh, James Harding, that, Hardy that went to you know, University of San Francisco. Yeah, Bill he played Cartwright. here too. He played here in the Philippines. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bill, Bill Cartwright was up north a little bit from us. Uh, but I, I look at, I have, I'm going through, I've got some stuff out of storage and I'm kind of going through it. <laughs> I look at, uh, the all state team or all area the team that year, I think out of the 15 players, I think 10 or 11 has played in the NBA. That's yeah, yeah. Wow. pretty, That's impressive, a pretty yeah. deep. Uh, pretty heavy, yeah. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. you mentioned Bill Ambeer a while ago. You, did you get up, did you get to go up, up against him in high school? I, I didn't. He, they were in the final four with us, but we played Reggie Theus's team and lost, oh, and then man. they played Verbin Day. Yeah. But in the summertime, I played in. Uh, uh, back then, there was no AAU, uh -huh. so uh, <laughs> right. we, we played. We played in leagues. You know, our team. We we just picked up and, and played in leagues, and it was the beginning of the uh, NBA summer league. Mm -hmm. Started in in the Los Angeles area at uh, uh, Cal State LA. Uh, and uh, back then, the NBA players would come and play to kind of keep in shape because there was nothing, there was no trainers or any of that stuff. So they would play in the NBA Summer League, and they started uh, a league before them called the Junior Olympic League, and that was a oh. summer league for us. So uh, I played, I played with Reggie Theus, and Bill Ambeer played with Greenwood and, and Hamilton and Brad Holland. We all played in that summer league, and. Uh, you know, so we got good competition. And, you know, I remember uh, playing in those games in the afternoon, and then you got a free pass to the NBA Summer League game and a hot dog wow. and a Coke. And I remember. Wow. A hot dog and a Coke. That's the most important coke. part. Yeah. 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 yeah we, I, like uh, uh, Paul Westfall, uh, uh, Elgin Baylor played in there, Jerry Westman. All these legends were playing just to keep in shape. And I got to watch them in high school. Yeah, wow. and I, the reason I asked about Bill Embiid, I was going to ask you if he already played that way, uh, you know, the way he played in the <laughs> '80s, or was he still, you know? Uh, yes, uh, he did. <laughs> he did. He was like that from the start, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah I, mean, okay. I mean, that's uh, and you know what? Uh, I've known Bill for a long time, and uh, you know, uh, that's how he found his niche in in the league. And uh, you know, I tell play young players now. You know, uh, everybody wants to be a, a, a scorer and, and all that. But, you know, to play in the NBA, the NBA is made up of 5% superstars. Those are LeBrons and, and those guys. 
and then uh, 10% all-stars. You know, those are the lower level, like the bookers and those guys. And then all the rest are just role players. They're all role players. There's bigs that can rebound and, and, and protect the rim and block shots and, re, and, and roll and catch. There's guys that can de de defend the wing. There's three and D guys. All those guys have their roles, and that's how they make a living, and that's how they stay in the league. And young players, don't a lot of them don't realize that. And Bill Lampier realized that early that for, he can't jump as high as people. He can't run as fast as people. But he can shoot the basketball. He can be physical. And for one, for some crazy reason, rebound. he could rebound even though he yeah. couldn't jump. And, you know, some of those guys, the ball just seems to come. They're like a magnet. They're always, uh -huh. It uh -huh. always comes to them. And he was one of those guys. So, you know, more power to him. Now, yeah, yeah, did, he, yeah. did he step over the line a few times? Absolutely. Did a lot of guys <laughs> in the league want to punch him in the face? Yes. And Till today. And a couple, did, a couple did. Robert Parrish, for one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all remember that. And they didn't even call yeah. a foul on that, by the way. But, yeah. You yeah. Know, but, you know, he found his niche. And, uh, you know, he kind of takes it a little too to the next level. And, you know, and it's, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting ahead. But, but Bill, Bill Lambert, well, but, and he also he's, he was also great at, at whining to the referees. That's another aspect of his game. But, okay. <laughs> No, but I think it's perfect because we're talking about, you know, you were talking about Crespi, then we're going ahead already. Let's enter what we call the time capsule. And the time capsule is our first segment on the show. It's uh, brought to us by Fitbit. It helps everyone in the world get healthier. From counting your steps to giving personalized insights on your heart rate and sleep patterns, log your exercise and access great tools and content on the Fitbit Premium, all of the Fitbit platform. Check out their line of products on Fitbit.com. Cool. Feel the power. Yeah. This is a, a photo gallery. There's Noel wearing his Fitbit. Uh, this is what we're why, talking about. Man, why, is, why does his Fitbit have negative steps in it? He walks backwards. He walks backwards, Coach. That's what Noel does. And I cheated, too. When I'm driving, I just do this. It thinks I'm walking. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is a, you know, this, this talks about, uh, well, this is, Kansas 76 to 79 captain. So you was from Crespi. You did so people were, were checking you out already. The, the the scouts were looking at you, and, and then eventually uh from Crespi you do end up at that uh, at Kansas. But but so so your days at that Crespi were were pretty exciting, I'm sure. You played against top-notch competition as, as you said. Um what did they say? What did the colleges say to you uh when they were coming to recruit you, coach? Please come to our college. <laughs> all of them uh, how many how many were there about a couple of hundred uh, at least I, I had a skull I, I could have gone anywhere I wanted um you know I I, I went to Crespi a small school was taught by a, a uh, coach Hedlund who was a great coach for my four years and learned how to play basketball the right way and actually and and obviously I grew you know I went from six five to six eight to six ten to seven foot in my time frame wow. And as I got bigger, uh, you know, I was very skinny. I mean, my senior year, at, I was seven foot, probably 210 pounds. I mean, I was wow. really, really skinny. But uh, I could run. I could jump. I had a great uh, timing on my block shots. I had a hook shot. Uh, I could pass the ball. Uh, so a lot of – starting my junior year, I was MVP of the league my junior year. And that's when teams, uh, uh, coaches, and colleges really started coming. And back then – the rules weren't like they are now. I mean, you're limited recruiting going on the road now. Back then, the the coach, the assistant coach from Kansas lived in a Holiday Inn by my house for one month, four weeks, until mm -hmm. he got me wow. signed. So, uh, you know, I was 
I was being recruited by everybody. Everybody thought I was going to UCLA. Uh, and I, I was a UCLA fan. Uh, you know, uh, Lou Alcindor, then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar later, uh, Bill Walton. I watched them when I was growing up. And UCLA was made for centers, right? That was like the center. And, uh, you know, I took a, a trip there. I, took, I went to USC. I went to North Carolina. Uh, I went to Washington State, Arizona State, Gonzaga. But then when I went to Kansas, it felt like home. It felt like the Midwest. And, uh, you know, to this day, uh, I still think uh, if Bill, if um, John Wooden would have came in my house and offered me a scholarship, I think I would have signed with UCLA. But it was the year that, that he retired. Uh, he retired uh, my senior year. That was his last year at UCLA. And, uh, uh, you know, they had a great, uh, uh, you know, still a great team and legend. But there's something about Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse that really tugged at my heart. And people don't understand Kansas. They think it's flat and tornadoes. Uh, Lawrence, Kansas, uh, you know, the campus is on a hill. It's green. It's got brick buildings, ivory uh, over. And Allen Fieldhouse is one of the most phenomenal places to play the game. I actually proposed to my wife on the steps of Allen Fieldhouse oh, wow, uh, a, few, wow. a few years later. But, uh, you know, I, I could have, you know, used, uh, UNLV, I visited here uh, with Jerry Tarkanian was coach. So uh, it was just a heart decision. But, uh, you know, it, it was crazy getting all this attention. You know, you know, all these all these coaches wanted me to come play for them. <laughs> So did Coach Ted Owens go to your house and actually recruit you personally? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody came, came to my games, came to my house. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the assistant coach closed the deal because he lived there forever. He got in with <laughs> my parents. My parents played a nickel-dime poker game every Saturday night with friends. <laughs> and, uh, one, one, one night I was coming home from a date, and I look in my kitchen, and he's playing poker with my parents. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some, some college coaches target the parents, right? They're, they're good with parents. That's a good way. And especially the moms. Especially the moms. Yes. And, and you know, because if you're I, – I grew up lower middle class. I, I, I'd never been on an airplane till I was recruited. I didn't really eat at restaurants. We ate at home. Uh, you know, I didn't know anything about anything, you know. I never <laughs> stayed in a hotel. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm flying around and, you know, they're putting me up in nice hotels and going to nice parties. And, you know, I was a little overwhelmed. So you naturally, as a, as a, as a kid, you, you turn to your parents for a little advice. So that's, that's part of it too. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, well, Paul, just that, how big that, was, uh, sorry, sorry, Noel. Yeah, Paul, just how, could you just tell our viewers just how big basketball is in, in Kansas? I mean, you know, Fog Allen, is a legendary coach, and he, I think, learned from James Naismith, who discovered, uh, I mean, discovered, invented basketball in, in 1891. Yep. So, you know, uh, Allen Fieldhouse is probably like a shrine to college basketball, right? Yeah, actually, the rules of the game that James Naismith wrote out on a piece of paper are in Allen Fieldhouse now. They're enshrined there. Uh, right. I've seen them. I've actually touched them. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, it's just the history. I mean, Naismith, the inventor, was the athletic director there. Fog Allen was the first coach. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, just great players, you know, from JoJo White to Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, in, in my opinion, I don't know what you guys think, but in my opinion, there's no question. Everybody says who the GOAT is. It's Wilt. 
don't even think about it. Just look at his records, individual <laughs> records. But, you know, so I was the first seven-footer to go to Kansas uh, after Wilt Chamberlain. Um, but that field house, that field, I've been back. I uh, went back last year, I believe, for the 125-year anniversary of Kansas basketball. And uh, we were we went to the game, and then we had a banquet afterwards. And the la- the, the former coaches of uh, Kansas – were on the stage and they answered questions and and did that and uh, when you think about that it's uh, uh, Roy Williams, Larry Brown, mm-hmm. my coach Ted Owens, and uh, uh, the coach now. I mean that's pretty much <laughs> a pretty much uh, lineage of coaches that have coached at that school and uh, you know I, I've been at almost all the arenas you know that you know I've been I've been to Duke I've been to North Carolina been to the Poly Pavilion uh you know to to scout and, and uh, i don't compare any of them to uh alan fieldhouse it's just one of a kind yeah, that's great great experience there so there's there's your jersey yeah look Passing, at my has... look, look at my skinny self there look at that with, <laughs> uh-huh. with, my, with my fro yeah <laughs> exactly exactly that's that's uh a bit smaller than you were when you when you entered in the NBA, but yeah, you probably what, what year? Do you remember what year this was taken? The picture on the right. Which... Yeah, it looks like that looks like uh, my sophomore year, probably. So I mean, I went like I went there, like I told you, I was I was seven foot. I remember in high school breaking two hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> but then but then you know they had some lifting weights and stuff and and matured. So I went. Like I got to 220, and then I think I graduated about 235. Uh, but mm-hmm. I I played in the NBA. I started playing in the NBA at 250, and uh, my last few years in the NBA, I was playing at probably 280, 275. Right, right, yeah. That's, that's a progression or regression. I don't know what it is, but but yeah. So there you are. <laughs> it's a, it's a progression to then, and now it's a digression now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but but in, in in university, of course, when you're playing the US NCAA, you're playing against top-notch competition. There are centers. You're seven foot, and you're not the only one. There's there's a lot of guys about the same height as you, more or less, and 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 they're really at playing at a high level. Do you remember your toughest battles when you were at Kansas? Who were the guys that you would you know really have a difficult time against? Well, I remember when we played Kentucky, I think my junior year, and they had some guy that you Celtic fans will remember, Rick Roby. Mm-hmm. And they have a kid named Marvin Phillips, and they were both 6'11", but they were really strong. Um, you know, that that was my first, like, oh, man, there's there's a lot of guys out here like this. But uh, really, I got frustrated because uh, a lot of the teams when we played, played zone against, against us, partly because of me, and that was frustrating. But when I got to play against man-to-man, which were guys that were bigger, I really flourished. But, you know, the biggest battle was uh, in my junior year, we played UCLA in the West Regional, and uh, we had them down, and then they came back. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I told you I'm clearing out my office, and uh, I, I found a box score from that game. And I was player of the game. I had I had 18 and 12, uh, 12 rebounds. Uh, but I looked, and I knew, I remember we got screwed, right? Okay, I'm a coach. And I, we, but we got screwed. And I looked, we looked, we shot 30 free throws, and we shot 18. That's getting screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you complain about the officiating nowadays. Until now, that happens every day, every day. The free throw differential, right? That's big. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> oh, that sounds yeah, yeah. so familiar I'm, here in the. I, I, I just wanted to ask about the progression from being one of the you know highly recruited the 
kids in the in the United States at seven foot. Then now you're starting to go up against these bigger, probably more uh, more skilled seven footers. I mean, what was the period of adjustment? Did you have to did you have to reinvent your game now that you're up against these guys being a skinny two hundred something pounder like you were? Not really. I mean, I I I enjoyed the challenge. Uh, I think, at least for me, I hated like in high school or even in college with lower level teams. I hated playing against like six six guys, or you know, I just I, it just was uncomfortable for me. I would rather play against a seven footer, six ten guy, and let's go at it. And uh, you know, so that part, you know, the physicality though uh, uh, is an adjustment, and you know, the talent level is an adjustment. I mean. Big adjustment from high school to college, even bigger from college to the NBA. But, you know, you just have to adjust and you learn and, you know, you get some, you learn with some bumps and bruises along the way. Uh, I'll backtrack a little bit. One of the biggest learning curves in my life as a basketball player was from my um, uh, uh, seventh grade to my eighth grade team. And, uh, you know, in seventh grade, I wasn't very good. I, I didn't play very much. And then uh, my coach of that school, Father Davis, I went to a Christian school. Uh, he was a player, too. He came to my dad and said, listen, let me take Paul around this summer to the pickup games around this area. And we'll, I'll be there. We won't get home till like 11 at night. And uh, I was 6'2", you know, in eighth grade. So I went to these gyms and played against men. And, you know, and I, but I played, the, I was a guard. You know, mm -hmm. and I played against men and I got pushed and beat up and pushed down. But I always got back up and I learned from that. You know, you can't just stay down. And that was one of my biggest learning processes that sometimes players today don't learn that, hey, you're the best player in high school. When you go to college, all of them were the best player. <laughs> and, when, mm -hmm. and when you go from college to the NBA, all of them were all Americans. All of them were starters. So. You know, a lot of kids don't realize that when they're going through the process. There, there's one thing I noticed about your game when you were, uh, obviously, I just saw you playing in the NBA, but you were a, actually a, an above average or probably an elite screener. Is that something that you worked uh, hard on or is that something that just came naturally to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I talked about earlier about knowing your roles, I, I learned that, you know, when I played in high school, I could score. I mean, that's okay, but I can help the team just as much by screening. And guess what? I, you know what I learned? If you set a good screen and roll or pop, you get yourself open. And yeah. I learned that. You know, really, yeah. people, players like, oh, I don't want to screen. No, you should want to. It's pretty selfish. If I screen, I'm going to get open. So, you know, so, uh, you know, and I learned as I went through my career that to last in the NBA, <clears throat> if we get there, wherever, but my rookie year in Houston, uh, Calvin Murphy, who's a Hall of Famer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Moses Malone, Rudy Tomjanovich, Rick Barry. These were my teammates when I was a rookie. I was just trying to make the team. And early on in practice, in uh, training camp, uh, Calvin Murphy talked to me before practice. He, 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 he used to call me Tonka. He called me Tonka because I played like a trick. He said, you're Tonka. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, he said, hey, Tonka, you want to make the team? I said, yeah, Murph, I want to make this team. He said, you know what you need to do? Just set picks for me. That's all you need to do. Yeah, so all yeah. I did in training camp, go find Murph, set a pick. Go find Murph, set a pick. Go find Murph, set a pick. And I made the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you helped me on one of the stars. That guy, that guy's jump shot was pretty accurate. 
<laughs> and so speaking about that, there, there, there you are, Houston Rockets. Uh, you so you play, you played pretty well, uh, good college career at Kansas, uh, four years. I looked at the records, pretty good, and and, and uh, I looked at your stats as well. You had a great senior season, fourteen, eight, etc. Um, you have any idea which team you were going to go to in the in that nineteen seventy nine draft? Not really. And back then, the draft isn't like it is now. I mean, uh -huh. it's, yeah, it's, it's a show, father. right? You get the suit and you get the jewelry and your parents. Come. <laughs> it wasn't like that. There, no one went to New York. I mean, you know, you got, uh, if you had an agent, and I did, you know, you just can't, there's no cell phones, uh, you know, so you just kind of waited to see, you know, the draft wasn't on TV. You know, so you waited to see who drafted you. Um, I was I was in, uh, still at Kansas. I graduated, and uh, I think I was talking about sport. I was playing softball with a bunch of my buddies, uh, and then I went back to the to my apartment and uh, got a call from my agent saying, uh, "You know, the Houston Rockets drafted you in the second round." Uh, I kind of had a feeling because late in that season, uh, I had had really a couple of great games. Uh, I had 28 points and 15 rebounds, and I had 30 points and 15 rebounds. And that 30-point game, uh, the the Houston Rockets scout was at that game. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of had a feeling, but, you know, it wasn't like it is now. So, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I got drafted. That was a goal of my life. And then I just needed to make the team. That's all I wanted to do. And if I could last 10 years in the NBA, I would be so happy. Um, that was that was my goal. And, you know, back then, you know, you go to training camp and you stay in a hotel and, you know, all these veteran players, you know, they're making the team. So I have a list of of uh, 18 guys and you're going to get down to 12. So six of us are going to get cut. So, you know, you stay in a hotel and you got your list and we get cut, you cross it off. OK, well, one more guy closer to making this team. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the the 1979 draft guys and mm -hmm. there are a couple of names that stood out for me who were drafted before paul uh andrew fields one yeah. of our earlier guests and another former uh toyota import victor king victor king went number 39 then andrew fields went number 40 and then a couple of picks later uh, uh paul was uh picked number 42 overall uh by, by the houston rockets so yeah, those those two names I mentioned, Paul, they eventually found their way to the PBA. Mm -hmm. Were teammates and actually of, at one point. Yeah, PBA. became teammates actually. Yeah, won a won a championship, I believe, uh, together. If you, if you look at the top of that list, though, I, I think Magic <laughs> Bird. Yes. Uh, Magic's there. Bird was signed. That was his year, first, yeah. but he was signed the year before. But yeah, uh, that's right. I think David Greenwood's on there. Roy Hamilton's yep, yep. on there. Uh, yeah. Brad Holland's on there. The Lakers picked him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bill Cartwright. Was, Bill uh, Cartwright was the rookie yeah, of the year. Was top yeah. center. Yeah. Can I tell uh, you my uh, Red Arback story? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we're talking about me being drafted 42, right? Uh, do you have that list up? Can you see that list? Yes, I do. Who, who picked 43? 43 was um, the Sonics. Johnny Moore. They picked Johnny Moore. All right. So. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember, 85 or 86, I think. I'm with the Milwaukee Bucks, and we're playing the Celtics in the East Finals. And, uh, you know, it's game seven. Uh, it's real hot. And, you know, my wife's there. My agent's there. Uh, you know, we had a chance to win that game and go to the NBA Finals, but we didn't. Uh, so, you know, I, 
I uh, get my shower in that crappy little last <laughs> Celtic visitor's room. Uh, and then they come out. In fact, you know, the, the, the Boston Garden, you know, when you came out, you, you, uh, you went down the elevator and then you came out onto the street where there's buses and cabs and everything. So uh, I walk out that door and I see my wife and I see my agent. We're going to go out and eat dinner. And uh, someone taps me on the shoulder. And uh, I turn around, it's Red Arback. And he goes, he goes, Mo, you want to walk with me around the corner? I'm like, yes, sir. So we walk around the corner in an alley around Boston Garden, in this alley. And he goes, I just want to tell you that I respect the way you play. I like the way you play or for the team first. And uh, we had a trade deal with Seattle that if Houston didn't pick you, we were going to make a trade and we were going to draft you. <laughs> like, now you tell me. <laughs> Seven years had, after the fact, <laughs> five championship rings. <laughs> yeah, you might have had a few. Uh huh. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but but I just want to go back to the the, the time when you were in Houston. I mean, Moses Malone, you did mention, so you had to guard him in practice. Um, what were the early lessons that you picked up from Moses that helped you further your career in the NBA? Yeah, back then Moses Malone, I think he was back-to-back MVPs of the league. That's right. Right around That's there, right. and and uh, I just wanted to be his backup and support him. And I got to go against him in practice, learned more in practice than I did playing the game, guarding him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he was very uh, uh, welcoming with his information. God rest his soul. He passed away a few years ago. Just yep. a great, just mm-hmm. a great guy and a. Uh, under underappreciated player he was phenomenal he was unbelievable and a uh, couple couple stories like one uh he he was one of the hardest guys to guard along with kevin McHale because he's in uh unpredictable in his moves you don't know what he could shoot a hook or a flip shot or whatever and McHale up and up. so you don't know what's coming cream i know he's going to try to shoot the sky hook and artist gilman's going to shoot the sky hook. you know so you know that but uh, one time in practice, I'm guarding Moses. I'm I'm, I'm guarding him, and uh, you know, the basket's behind us, and he catches in front of me, and he throws it over his shoulder, and I go like this, and he spins around, and he gets down, <laughs> and he lays it in. I'm mm-hmm. like, who does that? How who thinks about throwing yeah. it over his shoulder, spinning around, and going to get it? Well, Moses thought of that. And, right. and uh, the other thing I learned, uh, he was MVP of the league and no one worked harder and no one played harder than him. And I'm talking mm-hmm. about practice. So uh, one time back then we flew commercial. We played three games and three nights. Uh, we would go on the road for two, three straight weeks uh, and we flew commercial. And mm-hmm. I remember one time we played uh, – couple weeks on the road out east and we're coming back on american airlines or whatever and we land in houston and uh and del harris was the coach and uh, he's he's mad i guess we didn't play good and he goes we're we're going right from the airport right from the plane to the gym we're going to practice and i mean you're talking about nba what yeah we're going right to the gym we're going to practice so we went right to the gym got dressed and started practicing and uh moses i'd watch moses play you know against the Celtics, against Philly, against all these teams that get beat up and fouled and physical. So I'm kind of taking it easy in practice. You know, I'm kind of like Garnum, you know. He knows I'm not Garnum like I usually do. And he turns around and he cusses me out. He says, don't take it easy on me. Nobody else is going to take it easy on me. You got to push me even when I'm tired so you can make me better. And I learned right away, you can't take days off. And, 
you know, I, you know, that taught me something right off the bat. That was the MVP of the league. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, a normal guy would say, okay, thanks for taking it easy on me. You know, now I can go home and have dinner. No, he stopped in the middle of practice and screamed at me. And I'm like, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> sir, yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, and you played, and you're not just it's not just Moses when you were that that one year in Houston. You got you played with guys like Rick Barry, Rudy T, Calvin Murphy, you know, top quality players. So you you that's your rookie year, and you're learning from some of the best of the best, and I'm sure that really helped you. But it was a short stint, though. Uh, Mo, yeah, but uh, the, but they taught me not only on the court Moses playing against Moses, but those guys, Rick Barry, Rudy T. Uh, mm -hmm. Moses, all those guys, they taught me how to be a pro. Like I didn't know, I didn't know uh, uh, to tip guys when they get your bag at the hotel. I didn't know, you know, what to tip at a restaurant. I, I didn't know any of that. And mm -hmm. they, they taught me, they said, okay, you need to do this and you need to do that. And when someone gets your bag, you give them this. And so they taught me more off the court than they even did on. Did they do rookie amazing you go? Yeah, yeah oh, I yeah. was about to ask that. Rookie hazing, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we like back then we we had a projector, I think, and we rookie had to carry it. And then, like when we land in a city, remember we're 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 flying commercial, right? So we're getting off at the airport, and we got to go to baggage claim and wait for our bags. The bus is waiting for us. All the veterans they just go on the bus, and the rookies have to get everybody's bag. That is brutal. Yeah, and you being the seventh a... footer, you'd be looking like the hunchback of Notre Dame <laughs> with everybody's bag, right? The problem was we're flying commercial, and uh, you the only people that got to fly first class was when it was available, and that was the older you were, the more you got first class. For oldest got first, second, third, and I was a rookie, so. You know, I'm stuck in the back a lot of the time till actually the guy that told me how to make the team, Calvin Murphy, who's about 5'10", after a while he said, hey, Mo, you take – hey, Tonka, you take my seat. I'll go sit in the back. Wow. <laughs> wow, what a guy. That's a class yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask if Calvin Murphy was already dressing that way when you were oh, playing yeah. there. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes. And, uh, you know <laughs> – People don't know that, you know, he was a world-class baton twirler. Yep, that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm doing this. He was also a golden glove boxer. Wow, so I did not know that. that. He had wow. fast hands. And I remember we're playing, I think it was Portland. I can't remember. Sidney Wicks, who played for UCLA, about 6'8", yeah. 240, big, strong guy. And they got in a pushing match in a game. And I saw uh, Murph hit him three times, bam, 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 before he could get his hands up. and Sydney Wicks is on the ground and Murph is back. Right, knocked him out. Looked like Muhammad Ali. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a tough yeah. tough little guy in the NBA. He, yeah, he visited the, the Philippines. Uh, yeah, about, like did. two decades ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played, but he was already past his prime. Uh, Paul, do you have a do you have a Rick Barry story? You know, I, I've read a lot of stuff about him. Uh, Mike Dunleavy Senior said half of the league disliked him, and then the other half hated him. Uh, it was that bad. So, yeah, I, I wanted to hear from you being a former yeah. teammate. Kind of like Bill Embiid, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was, you know, I, it was my rookie year. I think it was his last year in the league. And at that point, he wasn't a, a scorer. We had Rudy T. We had Moses. We had Murph. Uh, so, but he was, he was one of the best passers I've ever seen. I mean, he was like a forward, like Larry Bird kind of passer, right? And, uh, you know, uh, but I, you know, that's why basketball IQ, uh, you know, as good or better than coaches. And maybe that's why, because he let people know that, 
know? <laughs> and I know when he was scoring, he let them know that. And then when he was older in his career, you know, he let the coaches know well, we should do that. We should do this. But he, you know, he's very opinionated. Yeah. But that's right. Very, but very, very smart. And you know what makes people mad when you uh, uh, when you test them a little bit, uh, you know, and, and challenge them? It's when they're right. And Rick Barry was right a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, even when he would do the commentary uh, as an analyst on the on the broadcast, he would he would second guess the coaches. He would say, you know, he should have done this, should have done that. And then he, you see, you see the play by play guy, you know, not knowing what to say after he, say, he said that. <laughs> yeah, people weren't. Yeah, used but, to but he was an NBA champion. He was an NBA champion uh, when he got yeah, the All-Star. But back then, you were supposed to hold the team line and everything. But now, and like Stephen A. and on ESPN, and that's kind of. You know, done now. Back then, it was yeah. like, oh my gosh, what are you saying? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's 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 the norm now. You want to go against everybody now, but back then, yeah, Rick Barry was was a trailblazer in that regard. But we all we always ask this question: You make it to the pros, you're with the Houston Rockets. I know you and Moses Malone are, are really hitting each other during practice. But in a real game, who was the first veteran who said, "Welcome to the NBA, Mister Mokeski," and then boom, hit boom. You <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. It was a preseason game. Not that I remember, but it was a preseason <laughs> game, and it was in New Jersey, and I was with the Rockets. I was a rookie, and uh, they had a guy named Maurice Lucas on that team. Oh, of course. Ah, okay. Big Mo. Was, not, not the other big Mo. Yeah. Yes, and he was yeah, the enforcer. Yeah, yeah. And I remember uh, uh, playing an exhibition a preseason game, you know, and uh, I'm guarding him, and uh, I see him look around, and then he gives me, bam, he just gives me an elbow and knocks me on my butt. And he looks at me. And then he runs down the court. And I'm like, okay, I get up and I play back and forth. And then uh, after a little while, when things calm down, I look around and no ref's looking. And bam, I give him an elbow and I knock <laughs> him to the ground. And he looked up at me and, I, and he goes, is that the way it's going to be, rookie? I said, I guess so. And he said, okay, help me up. Let's go. <laughs> so you know back then you got tested early now if i would have backed down you know there was all the games weren't on tv scouting reports weren't, weren't all they are now and but word of mouth was so what would have happened is hey that mokeski guy he's big but you know you can elbow him take advantage of him don't worry about it that word got around and i would have had to fight right. that though but actually the opposite word got around and uh, really, for the most part, people didn't mess with me. And back then, I mean, when you back then when you mess with somebody, we're gonna fight. We're not. We're not. Yeah. We're not pushing each other. You know, hold me back. We're not doing that. We're going at it. And <laughs> and the re- you know what the referees did? They got out of the way. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like a hockey like thing, a hockey right? Game. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but you know what? I think. It stopped a lot of the uh, um, uh, trash talking. I mean, there was trash talking. Don't get me wrong. You know, uh, obviously Bird and those guys. But at the same time, uh, you had to back it up. And if you trash talk, and you might have to back it up with your fists. So, you know, a lot of guys, said, you know, they thought about it a little bit more. And, you know, we're not going to have the little pushy, shovey fight. We're going to have a fight where we're squaring up and – you know, a lot of a lot of guys didn't want to do that. You know, so I, there was it was very very physical, but at the same time, uh, you know, it was it was respectful, and everybody knew if someone crossed the line, like a cheap shot, 
or low bridge that could cost you your career, you you were held accountable. And it, it might be that game. It might be the next game by somebody else on another team. You never know. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah our, our, our followers are, are commenting. Yeah, nowadays it's all posturing, no action. <laughs> that's, yeah, well, that's because they're gonna kick you up for five games. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's <laughs> like that's like going after the guy, but then you're looking, hold me back, hold me back. Hey, let me at him, hold me back. <laughs> no, the mere fact that you that you go into a fighting stance, you already got a technical. Yeah, yeah I know. I mean, I yeah. don't. No, 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 you look at someone, you get yeah. a technical. Now it's crazy. You can stare yeah. at someone after dunking on him, you, you get a technical already. I, yeah. I just, uh, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I was watching the other day, a couple nights ago, Chris Paul got kicked out of a game. He didn't yeah. do anything. He was, he was just, yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, referee. I see a lot of ex-players and, and teammates and legends. I'm, there's a, uh, a college tournament going on next weekend here in Vegas, and uh, the legends, the Retired Player Association is sponsoring it. So I'm going to see Spencer Haywood and some other guys. And uh, we get together every uh, every July here in Vegas for summer league. They have meetings and, and a party. You know, people think we're mad or upset about the as much money as the players make today. And they make, I mean, you're looking at 50, 60 million. Uh, I bet some of the young players right now, when they become 28, 30, they're going to be signing $100 million contracts a year. Uh, but that's not it. We get more upset with the way the game is played now. It's so not only – I mean, we had to take some of the physicality out. We couldn't be the bad boys all the time. But at the same time, they've gone the opposite way. I mean, you can't, you can't hardly even touch anybody. It's a foul. Mm -hmm. I, I tell young guys now, if I, was, if I was coaching training players now, I would teach you how to make free throws, and I would teach you to drive to the basket, run, find a body, run into them, and fall down. And you'll probably shoot free throws. <laughs> right, right. And then just make your your living at the free throw line, right? Yep. And then shoot yeah. threes. There you go. You can make it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the way it goes right now. But so, but after Houston, you move on, and then there you are. You're a Pifton now. All of a sudden, and uh, there you there, you see Walter Davis. You're trying to guard him. Who's the fellow that's that's sleeping beside you? Uh, beside Walter Davis, number thirty four for the Pistons. I can't tell. It's uh, Keith Heron, or it's not John okay. Long who played. Kent Benson was on that team. Uh, I say mm -hmm. Thomas was a rookie, I believe, but I was going to ask about him. What What was your impression of this guy, Isaiah Thomas? Did he look like he was going to be one of the all time greats that that first he, year? Yeah, it was uh, my second year in Detroit, and in training camp, they drafted Kelly Trapuca from Notre Dame, really good scorer, and then Isaiah. And uh, right off the bat, after the first couple of days, uh, you could tell he was something special. Uh, not only could he play, but the way he carried himself, his leadership qualities. His will to win and his will to, to uh, play hard and play through injury. Uh, his, the, those guys, uh, Isaiah, uh, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, just to name a few, those guys were awesome players. But their will to win, you could see it in their face. You could see it when they played. They just had a will to win. They, yeah. What am I going to do? I'm going to win. You know, it doesn't matter. Sidney Moncrief. Uh, you know, yeah. they, you could see it in their faces and you could see it early on him. He was he was the youngest player on the team, but everybody looked after about a week, everybody looked to him for leadership. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Isaiah Thomas. Right? So, but you're there. You're there in Detroit. How, how was that? You know, you, you you come from Houston. Was it a totally different culture you had to adjust to, uh, you know, new coach and all of that? And then what yeah, were we, the what were the things that you you know that 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 were new to you when you went to Detroit? 
Yeah, so uh, my rookie year in Houston, uh, I didn't play very much. Backed up Moses. I uh, was inactive a lot. Uh, then in training camp in Houston, I was told uh, there's another player there named Steve Hayes, a seven-footer from Idaho State, I think. Yeah. And they told us, uh, hey, one of you two is going to make the team, one's not. So we we ran extra, played one-on-one -on -one extra, did all this extra stuff. And then two days before uh, the season started, uh, they cut Steve and they traded me to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> not so, on the team. team. Yeah, 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 so I was really, really mad and I was upset. And then my veteran guys, Rudy T, Calvin Murphy, Rick Barry said, listen, uh, you can't take it as the Rockets don't want you. You have to take it as the Pistons want you. Take it that mm -hmm. way when you go there. And I did. And actually, it was a blessing in disguise because that second year in my league, I think I, I played in 81 games out of 82, and I think I started 40 or 50 of those games. Mm -hmm. and, wow. and that's when I found out, like that picture right there, I, I found out, hey, I belong in this league. Mm -hmm. I, I, can, I can I can be a starter or I could be a backup, but I belong in this league now. And that's right. what that taught me. We weren't very good my first year there. My second year there, when we got Isaiah, we started to get better. We could turn, we could see turning the corner. However, yeah. uh, one hour before the trade deadline, right before Christmas, they traded me to Cleveland. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, let's, look at the next, let's look at the next photo, please, Carly. Yeah. There you are. You're, you're so, a cab right there. Yeah, so uh, I, I got married. My wife and I bought our first house in Detroit, and they traded me uh, <laughs> one, before we made our first house payment. So, uh, yeah, that's that, that was selling this foul, wasn't he? That's Dan Issel yeah. selling a foul. That's <laughs> Dan Issel, Kiki Van Dewey, and Scott yeah. Wedman. Those yeah. are the other players yeah, well, in that photo. But, yeah, so, but, but you, were talking about the, you were talking about Detroit. You went from 21 wins in your first year to 39 in that second year, but then, yeah, you were traded away. So you're, you're to a Cleveland Cavaliers to, to another bad team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe worse, right? I think Cleveland yeah. was even worse. I mean, but, it was it was terrible because our owner, Ted Stepien, yeah. uh, was cr a crazy Kept, millionaire guy. Uh, that away, taken, he traded away all his draft picks. Yeah. And <laughs> actually, the league put in a rule he couldn't trade anymore. And he was, we were infatuated <laughs> with, with older players, veteran guys like Scotty, who was a good player, and James Edwards, who's a good player. But uh -huh. we just didn't fit together. And uh, man, I, uh, that's probably in the old Coliseum uh, out of Richfield. Uh, and there's pro, it's a 18,000 arena. I bet there's a thousand people in the stadium. <laughs> and one of them is my wife. <laughs> but yeah, Coach Paul, going back to your uh, first year in Detroit. You, you had a teammate there who was on a 10-day contract who would later on come over to the Philippines, right? Uh, Norman Black. Uh, uh, what do you remember about him? I know you were only teammate for like, I don't know, 10 days or what, yeah. but yeah. Do you remember anything about him? Uh, a good guy, played hard, um, you know, borderline talent probably. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of 10 days that, you know, 10 day guys that come through and sh shoot, I was one. Uh, I was, I was one more than once, uh, uh, but you know, if you don't get in the right situation, you don't get a chance to show yourself in 10 days in the NBA, if you don't get on the court, they don't even know if you yeah. can play. So it's tough, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But well, he made, he made a career of it uh, yeah. over here in the Philippines and they never Pro left. Yeah. He, probably, he, probably, he probably made 10 more times more money than I did. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I know probably still is. <laughs> and that picture right there, I know I was making eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you get hit by uh, yeah, but, but like notch, snap Yeah, Dan Nissel, man. I mean, there's the elbow but, just to make but, sure you don't get too close. Yeah, but Dan yeah. was ahead of his time, right? Dan was oh, yeah. a sixth yeah. center that shot threes. That's and, right. And ran the floor. Yeah, and they with Bill Beer. Yeah, Bill Lambert was shooting yeah. threes in Detroit because he knew. Yeah, the but this guy, but this guy could take it. <laughs> this guy could take it court to court, Danny. So he'd rebound, bring it all the yeah. way. Yeah. But back then, the like uh, I shot threes in my later years and shot jump shots more. But when I first came to the league, I was supposed to be low post, shoot the hook, drop step, all that. Mm -hmm. But I had the skill. If I played in today's game, uh, you know, I'm not going to be the joker or anybody, but. I can make threes, <laughs> I can do dribble handoffs, I can roll to the basket, I can spread the floor. I could be like a a, a Brooke Lopez guy, for sure. Uh -huh. But we weren't allowed, we weren't yeah. allowed to do that. You look like uh, Wemby Yamba, the big 7-3 uh, kid for the Spurs, and everybody's drooling over and that. Uh, Ralph Sampson, uh, he could do all that stuff back yeah. in the day, but he wasn't allowed to shoot threes, you know? Mm-hmm. But damn... Dan was allowed to encourage to shoot threes, and he could make them too. Yeah, but that's because that's because Doug Moe wanted them yeah. to be. He wanted to reach two hundred every game. Yeah, that's right. That's the way it goes up and down over there. Shoot, but then, I, but, uh -huh. I remember we played Denver in Denver one time, and when you play in Denver back then, you know how much they run. Referees would call fouls just to call a foul to stop the game. So they could take a breather. They would do High altitude and all that. High altitude and all Yeah, it's oh, yeah. hard yeah. to breathe over there. But I remember uh, when I was with the Bucks the first year or two, we had Sidney Mugentreef, uh, Junior Bridgman, Brian Winters, Marcus Johnson, and they had Dan Estel and Kiki and all of those guys, Alex English. I remember that we played a, a overtime game and I think there were six players in that game that had 30, 30 or more points. <laughs> yeah, they averaged, I think, there's one season, the, those Nuggets averaged 126 points per game. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were running up and down. They really, it was crazy. But but then, then eventually you end up with the Bucs, you know, after, after that short stint with the Cavs. And then this is where you really, everybody knows you. When you say Paul yeah, this Mokeski, time, This is where I remember Paul Mokeski from. It's from Milwaukee. Yeah, my and the elbow pad. And... Yeah, and some of the best teams in the league, except that you couldn't get over the hump. You couldn't get over the hump named Philadelphia or, or Boston. But yeah, but this was a really a great uh, team, you know. And, and there's yeah. Kevin McHale, the guy you said you couldn't tell what he was going to do next. Mm -hmm. If you I'm look at the records of the teams in the 80s, of the, mm -hmm. uh, Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, I believe we have the best record of all those three teams. Yeah. And yeah. the total of the yeah. 80s. And I in, in your, in your stay, a coach in your stay there, you had 50, 59, 57, 50, then 42, it went down, and then in 49. So, you know, those were your records. You were in the 50 wins club. We always, we would beat, we would play to go to the playoffs, win the first round, and uh, beat Philly and then lose to Boston or beat Boston and lose to Philly. It was like, <laughs> it was like a, a kiss of death. It was. Why was that? Yeah, Why, what that was, was what was lacking? Game. Yeah. Yeah, what was lacking? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we were talented. They were talented. If you ask, ask Larry Bird, uh, in those '80s in the East, the team before before the Bad Boys in the early '80s, before the Bad Boys and the Bulls with MJ later on, he didn't. He feared playing us in a series more than uh, Philly. Uh, mm -hmm. But for some reason, uh, you know. 
I remember Game Seven in in Boston, uh, where if we win, we're going to the finals and play the Lakers, who had, we'd beaten both times that year. Uh, and uh, we were up by ten, and then Bird hit a couple threes and it was over. And uh, you know, one time uh, Dr. J took a floating free throw line shot that cost us a six game six. It was always something, you know, and, uh, you know, it was really frustrating. And, you know, when you get in that mold, then you can't really get better by the draft because you're picking in the middle of the rounds anyway. So, you know, but there was, I mean, I'm talking about two of the most overlooked power forwards ever in the NBA, Marcus Mm -hmm. Johnson, actually Mm -hmm. small forwards, Marcus Johnson, Terry Cummins. Terry Cummins, And if you look at their careers and look at their scoring and look at their talent, they were all-star level players who didn't get to play in the all-star game very much because guess who else was there? <laughs> Jerry Bird, Dominic Wilkins, every year. Yeah. Yep, you know? that's right. But those yeah, guys, both Marcus and Ter- TC were as good as anybody. Yeah, yeah, especially, yeah. yeah. Cummings when he came along after the Clippers. But then the, my favorite player on those teams was Sidney Moncrief, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, the injuries just really coughed him what yeah. would have been a super, super great career. But. Yeah, I like I like Paul Pressey a lot because he was like a, a, a like a wing guy who could bring down the ball and facilitate the offense. Yeah, yeah. and then Ricky Pierce came along, started hitting all those outside shots. Craig Hodges. Yeah. Craig Hodges, yeah, Hodges, too. Yeah. He was here a couple of years ago. Alton Lifter invited yeah. Craig Hodges to come and teach yeah. his team how to shoot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Jack Sigma joined us later. We were, we were good. Uh, we just mm-hmm. had some good teams. And I look yeah, back, well. you know, there was never, you know, I, I look, I played there for almost eight years. There's not one player in the roster, uh, any of those eight years that I thought was an ass. You know, I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Everybody uh-huh. was good people. Just great people. Ricky Pierce, Craig Hodges, Jack Sigma, uh, Larry Kristoviak, Jack, uh, Sidney Moncrie, Paul Pressey, uh, Brian Winters, Junior, all those guys are just great yeah. people, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, of course, and then all of you bunch of seven footers there, right? You had you had Brandy Brewer. Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah, you mentioned Sigma Alton Lifter earlier before Sigma came along. Uh, came along. Bob, Bob Lanier was there when I first got there. Yeah, Bob Lanier, that's right. He was uh-huh. at the end of his career; his knees were pretty much shot. But we had a shot at, at winning that year, and uh, I think we lost to Philly in the yeah that was full full full. And yeah, yeah full 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 exactly in nineteen eighty three. But you guys beat them. Yeah, yeah, it was full five full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, five, four. And, and we would have won too, but but they Bobby Jones goaltended a Marcus Johnson layup, and they let it go in Philly. Not that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and you never got blown out. You were always in the thick of oh, things, yeah. you know. Oh yeah. There's never yeah. a time that the other team let you know really, and they were just happy to get out of the series. Yeah. One both, of the one of the most impressive and and um, personal people I've ever played against and known, uh, Doctor J. Um, in Philly, he was actually, I was at the free throw line, uh, the last game he played when he came out of the game for the last time, it was a playoff game in Milwaukee. And that, I mean, I've, I've had some, I made two free throws to put in a, a, a Celtic playoff game in overtime. I've hit free throws to win us playoff game. And some of those things stand out and that being at the free throw line when Dr. J goes out of the game for the last time is one of the highlights of my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. right. I remember. I remember that. I do remember that. That last year. Well, talk about Don. Yeah. Talk about Don Nelson, though. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. His influence on, on all of you. I mean, every we talk about the great players in in the Milwaukee Bucks during your time, but Don Nelson is pretty much the guy who who put everything together. 
Yeah, Nelly was a coach that really thought out of the box. He he had the point forward before anybody. He had a small ball before anybody. You know, everybody forgets about that. This, the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr's a good friend of mine, small ball, whatever. Nelly was way ahead of there, 20 years ahead of that. Uh, he thought outside the box. He was a player's coach. Uh, if you did your job and were effective, uh, you could play for him. And uh, I, I remember, you know, one of my last, he, I played for him in Golden State my last year in '91, and we had run TMC with uh, Chris, uh, with Mullins and Hardaway and Mitch Richmond, uh, who could who averaged 25 points a game each. I remember one game on a road trip we're playing in the Clippers, and you know they're stinking it up, and we're down by 20, and you know now he puts us backups in, and we get to like 10 at halftime. He starts us in the second half. And uh, we hadn't played for a long time, so we're so tired. We can hardly play anymore. He calls a timeout and says, hey, you guys are tired. That's okay. I'm going with you the rest of the way. Screw those starters. He's looking right at them, and I'm going with you. If you need a timeout, just call a timeout. And we won that game. <laughs> but not many coaches would, you know, keep those. Those were three all-stars. You know, he never put them back in the game. <laughs> You go well, with the players that are yeah working, right? Yeah, but what a time this really was. You know, the, the mid-80s for me was really a great period in, in NBA basketball. And, and tell us about your battles with the big centers, uh, coach. You know, at the time, there was Kareem was there, Artis Gilmore. Uh, of course, Hakeem Olajuwon had just come in and Patrick yeah. Ewing and all these guys. So Parrish, of course. Uh, yeah, Kevin McHale, you're, you know, Daryl Dawkins, rest his soul. Um mm-hmm. You know that that it was every night. You know, um, you know, Artis Gilmore, uh, underrated player, uh, there they are. The, the strongest guy I ever played against, Artis Gilmore. Uh, Daryl Dawkins, one of the biggest, biggest, most physical, athletic players that could do anything uh, if you got him mad. So I was, you know, when I played, you know, I could get on some guy's nerves, so I kind of give him a little shot here and there. But with uh, with uh, Daryl Dawkins, you just Hey, uh, how's it going, D man? Everything good with you? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to keep it so you want to keep it smooth. Uh, you know, uh Kareem uh with the skyhook. I grew up watching him at UCLA and then later in with the Lakers. Um, uh, and I remember uh guarding him like my rookie year and you know, just uh, seeing the skyhook and how pretty it was and just looking at it, and one of my teammates said, "Hey, Mo, you got to guard him now." <laughs> uh, you know, McHale and Parrish—that one-two combination uh, was something else. Uh, Akeem Olajuwon, uh, you know, with his footwork and his Akeem shake uh, that no one had really seen before, um, and even at only six, only but six ten, you know, he he blocked shots with the best of them. Uh, just you know, and everybody, you know, they, everybody went with bigs uh, more. You know, there was the Twin Towers with Ralph Sampson and Olajuwon. Come on, man, really? Uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, Kareem was the centerpiece of the uh, the Lakers forever. And then uh, uh, Mikhail and Parrish were the centerpiece with Bird for the Celtics. And those were all the champions, right? And... Uh, you know, and, and even like later on, you know, Bill Lampier with the championships with the Pistons, he was a unique center that could step out. He played physical. You know, even the, the great Chicago Bulls, had, they had Bill Cartwright in the center. Uh, 
you know, uh -huh. who was a great capable center. And then always when you went into the New York, I had one of my best games. I think I had 24 and 16 boards in the garden in New York, and it was against Ewing. Uh, so that was – but you knew you always were in a battle when you played him. So, uh -huh. you know, yeah, just just some – you know, some of the, the history of the game that's kind of lost now. And people say, you know, uh, the center position is is done now. And they be, no, it's not. It's it's not. It's just different. I mean, you know, let you know, let, let's see. Uh, when the Lakers won it, they, they started uh, uh, AD at seven foot and LeBron at six, nine. And, you know, you know, uh, when the Bucks won it, they had Lopez at seven foot, Giannis mm -hmm. at seven foot and Middleton at six, eight. They're still playing. They're just playing in a little bit different way. That's right. That's the style. Huh? And the Joker and Embiid, you know. Yeah. With, I mean, let's – is the center position really gone? The last oh, five MVPs have been centers. Come on, man. Right. Right, right. right. Yeah, that's true. It's still a big man's game, right? It's still a big man's game. So, it, But this, it, is, it, this is 1987, Coach. Uh, it's, you're reunited with Del Harris and Mike Dunleavy is there. Mm -hmm. As his assistant, and uh, John Lucas, of course, is is there. Jay Humphreys, etc. All these guards. I like the numbering of 43, 44, and yeah. forty-five. Right, and 49. Big... <laughs> those seven footers. Yeah, there's also I a forty-two. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I can't see the guy in the top. I'm not sure if that's Tito Orford or not. He, Which one? The, the, the one on the right? Of, no, the that's Ice Al. Reynolds. Yeah, that's Ice Reynolds. Oh, yeah. that's Jerry Reynolds. So Jerry Reynolds. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yeah. there's Terry Cummins. Yeah, I mean, you know, John Lucas, uh, you know, legendary player and uh, got mm -hmm. to play with him. He, you know, he's a unique point guard. I mean, top 100 tennis player in the world at one point, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, All-American at Maryland and, you know, had some problems in the NBA, but then got through him. And actually, he helped me years ago in my problem. But, you know, he was a, he was a lefty that he could pass it just the right way. So if he wanted you to get a shot, he would pass it quickly and get it to you. If he wanted you to pass it back, he would throw it up a little bit, get some air under it. So by the time you caught it, you were covered, and you had to pass it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was premeditated, right? Okay. Oh, he knew that. And, and if he passed you the ball and you were open and you missed a shot, he'd give you maybe one of those. And then he'd say, hey, you're messing up my dimes, man. I'm not passing you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did mention right. when you were in Detroit that you felt that Isaiah Thomas, when he came in, was a special a special player. Did you feel I, – I, when, I'm, when I'm watching the Bucs, I feel Sidney Moncrief is also of the same mold in terms of the intensity and wanting to win. Did you feel that with Moncrief? Oh, yeah. Sidney was uh, he's a unique player, right? He's 6'4". Uh, and uh, wiry strong, you know, you can see him in the picture. He's in the middle. He's not big, but he's wiry strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he did everything right. So I think maybe even as, as rookie year, he led the team in scoring assists and rebounding. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at six, four, I mean, how many players yeah. have, have done that? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was, all, he was Mr. Dependable, uh, very smart basketball IQ. And, uh, you know, back then, you know, we held each other accountable. He held players accountable. You know, this is the way we do it. We don't do this stuff. We don't do that stuff. And, uh, you know, he was just the anchor, uh, you know, that was there every, I mean, I think he played 12 years there. I'm not sure. And then, unfortunately, for Atlanta Hawks for one year. I don't know why I did that. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you look at that. Del Harris is in the Hall of Fame. Sidney Moncrief is in the Hall of Fame. Jack Sigma's in the Hall of Fame. Um 
And I think that's it. I I think uh, yeah, yeah. Cummings should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he should be. He should Eventually, be. he probably he probably be. Yeah. Soon. So you look at that, uh, you know, and Mike Dunleavy Senior is the assistant coach, um, mm-hmm. uh, who co- it was became a head coach, and I think that's Matt Calvin, a great ABA player. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's Frank Hamlin, I think, on the right, who was assistant. Yep, coach. That's Frank Hamlin, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, every year that team picture. You know, some of the players changed uh, and some of the coaches changed, but the quality of people and players never changed. Yeah. And a great, great run for you with, with the Bucks. Who, who's, sure. who's the number 54 guy? I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember who that John is. Anders. <laughs> no, that's John oh. Stro- Stroder. John Stroder. John Stroder. Stro- yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Anderson. Yeah. He yeah. played his CBA. He was CBA MVP or something. He came, I think, later in that season. Yeah. <laughs> He's one of those guys that, that, uh, What's the name of this this uh, Duke guard now that, that that talks a lot? Uh, the the retired guy, the shooter, the guy who called them firemen and plumbers. Uh, the former JJ Reddick. JJ Reddick. JJ Reddick. Yeah, he would he would say something about the number fifty four guy for sure and say oh, doesn't yeah, look like sure. a player. Doesn't look like a player. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, people said that about me, but I could play. <laughs> yeah. My favorite player here is Jack Sigma. Yeah, I really enjoyed him. Look, watching him play before. Not now. Paul Mokeski. Come on, you're supposed to say it's Paul Mokeski. <laughs> well, aside no, from Coach Paul, actually, I was actually a, I was actually a Paul Pressy fan. Yeah, he might be my he might be my favorite player in that picture too. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, lo- I love I love the speech. I love the speech of Jack Sigma when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame because it really he was just so humbled by the by the award that was given to him and by by being put in the Hall of Fame because he didn't think. Oh, that, that's, at this point, he was still going to make it, but then you know he did, and he, he deservedly so. So, so good he's for him. A, he's a he's a, a a casualty of the NBA coaching system that doesn't believe big guys can coach, be head coaches. Oh, okay. So yeah. Jack Sigma was an assistant coach in the NBA for probably fifteen years. And never got a chance to be head coach. Patrick wow. Ewing was an assistant coach yes. for 15 years in the NBA, won championships, and never got a head coaching job. That's my pet peeve because, you know, in the NBA level, look at all the point guards that are head coaches now, you know, but never, very rarely, you could call on one hand NBA big head coaches of uh, Bill Cartwright was one, Bill Russell was one. Uh, Rudy, uh, no, Kevin, Kevin McHale, coach of Minnesota and coach of Rockets. Name uh-huh. me, any, name me any more head coach, NBA head coaches that are big, big players. Yeah. Not too many. That was also the frustration of Kareem. Uh, he, I, I think he also publicly spoke out against that. He, he had a mm-hmm. problem. He had problem. He had trouble getting landing a coaching uh, head coaching gig in, in the NBA, and he couldn't understand why. Uh, yeah, yes. one of the greatest yeah. players of all time, huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. People think those little point guards know everything, and they don't. <laughs> and they don't, yeah. Oh, no, and they're not the only ones who do. They they may know something, but they're not the only ones. Exactly. I think everybody everybody who's been on the court at that level of the NBA knows a little bit about uh, Pat, anyway, Pat, Riley, you know, Pat Riley was a bench warmer with the Lakers, and he – Yeah, he yeah. Hey, so was Phil Jackson for the Knicks. So that's the way it really yeah. is. But, but you know, you mentioned something earlier before we went on the air, uh, Coach Mo. You said uh, – you have a Charles Barkley story. I'd like to hear that one. Oh. <laughs> well, like uh, I think um, a lot of people have seen some of the footage on YouTube where he gets a, a lick in on me. Um, it, was on, it was on TNT and other places. It was, I think it was a playoff game in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, he he got a he he knocked me down with a forearm. 
Uh, you know, I got back up, but uh, the other thing about that is there was no, the, he hit me, knocked me down, we squared up, and there wasn't even a foul called on that play. They just stopped <laughs> playing and said, knock it off. <laughs> in his defense, and I know on TNT, Shaquille O'Neal has defended me and uh, some other guys, and to his, uh, and afterwards, actually, uh, the next time we played, uh, I think we went out and had dinner and, and drank some beers together, so it's no big deal. But uh, the, and the truth of that story is I deserve that because uh, the play before, uh, he was inbounding the ball, and I was next to him, and I gave him an elbow to the gut. And uh, I start, and I'm running down the floor, and it's in a packed arena, but I know something's not right, so I stop at half court, and I turn around, and he's coming right at me. <laughs> <laughs> you felt it. You sensed it. Oh, I knew something was happening. <laughs> He was about, he was about six four only as well, right? Charles Barkley, undersized. Yeah. Charles Barkley was six four, but really long arms uh, and really quick second and third jump. Right. Uh, he is uh, the player that most reminds me of him over the years is playing right now. Zion. Uh, Zion mm. is bigger and more muscular, but about the same size with the same explosiveness. Except uh, uh, Charles was more durable, and Charles was more a uh, reliable score, could score more than just dunking. But, uh, you know, yeah. they kind of remind me a lot of each other. And yeah, Charles yeah. is an elite rebounder for his size as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean. Mm -hmm. But it was like his his first step was quick, jump was quick, but his second and third were, were, you know, you're coming down and he's going back up, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. yeah. that's what made him so good, those second and third jumps especially. I, I, I want to ask about Larry Bird because you had to, you had to guard him off the pick. Uh, you had to pick him up whenever you, you'd be switching. And then um, at the, he is very vocal about uh, having a, a white guy put on him. You ever hear those stories? <laughs> I don't know about a white guy, but he didn't really talk that much trash to me. Uh, maybe because back then I could have probably took a foul and made him pay for it. <laughs> you, know, you know, he was like Charles. I guarded Charles Barkley very hard <clears throat> because they're powerful inside but quick outside. He had a better first step than people thought. Uh, but the, I'll tell you the trash-talking story, Larry Bird, was we were playing the Celtics in the playoffs again, and uh, <laughs> we had gone into Boston and beat them. And Paul Pressey was guarding him and doing a, a good job, but it wasn't. He had an off night of probably 25 or whatever, you know? So mm -hmm. someone in the paper uh, put the headline of Paul Pressey, bird catcher or bird stopper. And I'm like, oh, shoot, here we go. And, and, and the next game, uh, right off the bat, you know, uh, Larry was yelling at our bench and yelling at Pressy, bird stopper, huh? Watch this. Bam, three in his face. Bird stopper, you can't stop me. Nelly, he can't stop me. Bam, go drive by. And I remember I'm sitting on the bench, and he said, hey, hey, Nelly, watch this. Press, look at this. I'm going to come down next time I shoot a three right from this spot right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did. And he went down, story. bam, <laughs> shot it right in his face and said, you ain't no bird stopper. And, like, oh, and here's the ultimate bird story. We're playing again in the playoffs. And we're playing in the old Mecca. And back then, arenas uh, weren't like they are now. So usually in the arena, you have those tunnels. And when you went through that tunnel, that's where the locker rooms were. You know, so there, and that's where, you know, maintenance was back there in the locker room. So we're playing in the Mecca 
and we're battling it out as usual, and it's a tie game. And uh, I think there's 10 or 11 seconds left, and um, uh, Boston has the ball. And, of course, that's uh, give the ball to Larry and get the hell out of the way time. And we knew it. They knew it. Uh, all the fans in, in uh, Milwaukee knew it. And, uh, of course, he got the ball, and he did a ball fake, and then he did a couple dribbles into the corner, and then he rose up and he let the uh, let the shot go. And uh, as he let the shot go, about halfway there, he just left. He just left the arena and went in the tunnel. He left. So, you know, that's that's ballsy enough, right? So get this. This is this is this is tie game. If he misses, he has to come out of the tunnel back on the court with all the fans, Milwaukee fans just cheering him, you know, and you know, he does it. And uh, of course the ball goes in and they win the game. And that's Larry. But Years later, I was uh, uh, hanging out with Mikhail somewhere, maybe Summer League or somewhere, and I told him that story. And he goes, I remember that game. He goes, I'll tell you what else happened. Here's the kicker. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, so that all happened, and he took the shot and he left before the shot. Like a Curry, right? Steph Curry. Yeah. Uh -huh. Curry turns around. Think of if Steph Curry turned around. Instead of just turning around, he just left, right? So yeah. that's what he did. He said, here's the kicker. By the time we got off the court in the locker room, he had taken a shower, had his robe on, and was drinking a beer going, where have you guys been? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Wow. <laughs> Look at the smiles of these Celtic fans. Yeah. I mean, all those stuff that yeah. happened, and, you know, I mean, that, God, you know, the guts it has to take to leave. I mean, if you miss, you got to come back out and play overtime. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and hear the jeers, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. They would have been gone. Yeah. I'll see if he cared. Yeah, but that's Larry Bird. You know, he, he doesn't really care. <laughs> that even drives, that fuels him a bit more when you start, you know, getting on him. So <laughs> yeah, even the crowds, you want to do that. What's the next photo, uh, Carly? Let's check it out. It's a great story. <laughs> And then a great stint in, in Milwaukee, then you, you do. Uh, that has to end somewhere along the way. You go back to the Cavs. This is your second trip with the Cavs. You're, you're being guarded here by who's this guy? Benoit uh, Benjamin. Benoit oh, Benjamin, Benoit. yeah. So, so that that's like, I can't remember. Like, it's like 87 maybe. But it, I don't know what uh, NBA hoops. So <clears throat> back then, it wasn't like now, right? So mm -hmm. if you look at uh, basketball cards like that, I have a lot of them, and people send them to me to sign. Uh -huh. uh, most of them were taken either in L.A. or in New York uh -huh. because yeah. that's the only place that the, that the NBA had photographers for the league. So you have a lot of pictures playing against the Clippers or the Lakers or against the Knicks because that's where the photographers were. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> I didn't think of that. I should look at my son's uh, collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. But then now they're everywhere, right? So all these, these the, the newer yeah, players. I mean, oh. yeah, yeah, they're all over the place. You look at yeah. you look at Danny Granger's. You look at Danny Granger's card from from 2013. I'm in the shot. You are you're Granger's in the shot. Always oh, at the preseason game over I'm here. In the shot. Yeah, it's the preseason game over in, in the Philippines, uh, where uh, the, the 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 Pacers were pay, were playing the the Rockets. I was actually in the Danny Granger. Uh, uh, oh wow! Card. Okay. So that lowered cards. that lowered the value of that card right then and there. Okay. Well, wow. actually, it in, increased the value because it was shot in Asia. 
So <laughs> <laughs> you had to send a photographer to Asia, right? <laughs> How did you end up uh, with Cleveland again, coach? Was it uh, did you sign as an, uh, a free agent? Yes. Uh, the first, the how I ended up with the Bucks. I was traded to Cleveland. Uh, it was me and Phil Hubbard for Bill Lambeer and Kenny yes. Carr. Uh, okay. And then I played in, Cle in uh, Cleveland for a year. And then uh, at the start of the next year, I was actually starting, um, and but they, they cut me uh, because they had too many guaranteed contracts. So they just cut me. They said no one really wanted me. And then uh, my agent called, and we had about four teams interested, and the Bucks were one of them. So I went to Milwaukee. I signed it one 10-day, two 10-days. And then after that, uh, Nelly liked the way I played, so I signed for the rest of that year and the next year. Uh, and then uh, I played in, uh, in Milwaukee uh, uh, for a while, and, and then um, uh, I was a free agent, and they didn't uh, they didn't re-sign me, and the Cavs uh, signed me to a one-year deal uh, to come to Cleveland. And back then, that was the year after the Craig Elo shot, Michael Jordan Craig Elo shot, mm -hmm. remember, mm -hmm. where the Cavs were in the – Playoffs, they should have won the game, and, and Michael Jordan had a jumper over Craig Elo. That's and right. yeah. the Cavaliers were supposed to be uh, the next Chicago Bills, uh, Bulls. Mm -hmm. they, they had Brad Doherty as a center, all-star mm -hmm. center. They had Mark, Mark Price, Price as an all-star yeah. point guard. They had Larry Nance. Larry Nance uh, yeah. They had Hot Rod Williams. Hot they Rod, had, yeah. yeah. They had Craig Elo. Uh, Mike they, Sanders. Yeah, so they just they were the team that was up and coming. So I signed as a free agent to play for a year. They had Tree Rollins there. Hmm. And they signed uh -huh. me for a year. And then oh, and they had Ron Harper. Yeah, who was right. Ron Harper. Michael Jordan. Yeah, right, that's right. So yeah. think and, of, and then this, and, and Steve Kerr. <laughs> yeah, it's Steve. I play with Steve. So think of that team, right? Mark Price, Ron Harper, Larry Nance, Hot Rod Williams, Brad uh Doherty. That's yeah. So I went there thinking, and they said, okay, we're going to sign you one year. And then when Tree Rollins retires, we're going to sign you for another three years. Uh, and we're going to make it run at this championship. And I'm like, yes. Uh, so we did that, and it just it didn't work out that Brad Doherty hurt his foot early in the season, and it never healed. He mm -hmm. retired a year later. It never healed. Yeah. And then Ron Harper uh, was doing some some stuff that they didn't like. So they traded him, Ron Harper, the next Michael Jordan, to yeah. the Clippers That's for right. uh, Danny Ferry of Duke, mm -hmm. who was That's playing right. overseas. Yep. So mm -hmm. they just dispersed that whole team. But uh, right. I ended up in Cleveland uh, as a free agent with that process in mind. Mm -hmm. For yeah, a right. season. People forget, yeah, people forget the, Clav the Cavs were the, the number three seed that season. And, right. yeah, the Bulls were the number six seed. Yep. You know, so. They yeah. were really destined to. It was an upset. Yeah, it was an upset. Yeah, yeah. they were. Yeah, they were yeah. the. They were the next Bulls. They were supposed to be the next Bulls, and then Brad got hurt, and they traded Ron away, and that was the end of that. Yeah, that broke up right. pretty quick, pretty quickly for the Cavaliers, and then you, you came back, and then I think, yeah, you go, 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 yeah, go, well, Noel. No, I'm, I'm just saying one of my favorite players of all time is Mark Price, and, and he was on that team. What was it like uh, being around Mark Price? Uh, he was uh, like the consummate pro, right? Yeah, Mark was a you know really good three point shooter, good distributor. I used to love to run pick and pops with him because back then I was shooting jump shots. So uh, you know he knew how to 
after the after I picked for him, he could really penetrate, get my guy to suck in a little bit, and then I would pop out for an eighteen footer, and he would kick it out to me, and then I would hit Ewing or or a Pierce yell, you know, going, ah, shoot, <laughs> when I shot it in their face. <laughs> but he was just, uh, you know, one of the uh, another under uh, undervalued uh, point guard in the league mm -hmm. ever. Right, right, right. yeah. Yeah, because he wasn't scoring in the twenties. He he'd get in the teens, but he was accurate from the line, from the three, from you know, from the great field. Great passer, yeah. Great mm -hmm. passer as well, and then yeah, and picture perfect form on that jump shot too. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Three point shooting Bryant. champion, I think. Did he win it? Yeah, he won. Yeah. I think he won. He won, yeah. right. he won it. That's yeah. right. That's right. And I think then let's look at the next photo, please, Carly. I understand. Yeah, of course. This is, yeah. This, so this was your last season. You went. You went back to Nelly. Nelly gets you back. You're reunited, and this is the run TMC uh, squad. It's not a complete photo. That's the uh, that's the one I could find. Yeah. So yeah, I'll tell some you, of them. Yeah, I'll tell you what. That's one of my funnest years ever. Um, <laughs> with that group, the way they played, up and down, spread the floor, drawing kick. They have Rooney Marshallonis and. And, uh, you know, Tim Hardaway, Mr. Crossover and, and Richmond. Uh, Richmond, who could score in the post and Chris Mullen, you know, who would, he was like upgraded uh, Kiki Vanderway. And, you know, but I ended up there. Here's a story for you. I, I had gone to the San Antonio Spurs camp that year and uh, I got late. So I went home uh, to my family and was training three times a day. Great condition. No one picked me up. And finally, after Christmas, I called Nelly up. And I said, I said, coach, you, you got a really good team, but you could use a veteran guy big like me that can help you win in the playoffs. Uh, and I said, listen, I'm in great shape. Fly me in, uh, you know, try me out with the guys. Let me practice. If you like what you see, you know, sign me to a 10 day. If you don't like what you see, I'll buy you dinner. I'll buy you all the beer you can drink and send me home. And he mm -hmm. did. And uh, I, I knew I'm, I'm smart, right? I knew like, like those, some of those guys, like Peterson and those guys, really good players, good guys. But at halfway through the year, they were out of shape because uh -huh. they weren't playing that much. I knew I was in shape. So I went to practice. I, I played really good. And then Nelly kept, because I knew Nelly. He kept us after practice. We played three on three full court. And I killed him because wow. I was in better shape. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so he signed me to a 10-day. Then he signed me to another 10-day. And then he, he signed me for the remainder of that year. And, well, uh, as you mentioned, on that team, you needed to be in good shape if you want to keep up with yeah. Run TMP. Those three yeah, guys I mean, in front. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we uh, – shoot, we uh, – I don't know what we averaged, but we, we we put up 130, 140 some nights, um, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was a unique way to play. That year, we went to the playoffs. We were the seventh seed, and we beat the Spurs, who were the second seed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then we lost to the Lakers in the second round. That's uh, right. We took a My, game from LA, but I actually watched this team play. That's the first NBA game I ever watched in my life. You uh, played the Lakers at the Oakland Coliseum. You beat them. You beat the yep. Lakers that season. Yep. Oakland yep. Coliseum. So I saw all these guys. I even almost got into one of your practices, coach. Uh, you know, a friend of mine talked to Brian Dyerling, one of your front office guys. And then uh, mm -hmm. you know, I was about I was about to get in, but Don Nelson said, No visitors today. So I was there, I saw you guys working out inside. <laughs> And then they shut the doors and they just I gave me know. a bunch of souvenirs to take home. So we yeah, must Jeff we, he usually lets everybody in. We must have lost the game before. <laughs> so that's exactly. I think that's what happened. So I saw Les Jepsen warming up. Uh, Alton Lister was in there. Ty Hill. 
And then, you know, so they just they gave me a bunch of souvenirs to take home. So I got a bunch of warrior stuff. <laughs> you got you got out better than watching us practice anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to meet you guys. I wanted to meet, I wanted to meet especially run TMC. But so that was the season. And then and what happens after this, coach? So so you're there, uh, you you're you're kicked out of the playoffs by the Lakers. Um, what was next for you? Because you know, you, you this was your last team. In yeah, the NBA. Then, yeah, then um uh, I was trying to get invited to a camp, uh, didn't get invited. Uh, and then I went over uh, about halfway through the year, I went to go to uh, France. I played in Paris for a half a year. Um, uh, bad situation. They didn't pay me. Um, uh, not a good situation. So I came home. And then the next year, uh, I was trying to get into coaching because uh, that's my passion. I love coaching. And uh, so I uh, couldn't get into the NBA, couldn't get a break in the NBA. So I took a job as a player coach with the Quad City Thunder, the old CBA. Oh, CBA. Uh, coach, you, 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 oh, here is already your 12th season, right? 91, 1990, 91. But, um, it really looks like you were still in good shape here. So did you ever suffer any major injury during your, your career? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I tell people I got through 12 years relatively injury-free. I've uh, broke my ankle twice, two knee surgeries, broken ribs, separated shoulder, <laughs> five broken wow. noses, a miscellaneous yeah. uh, uh, broken fingers. Who Pretty knows? How many, who knows how many? <laughs> because back then they weren't called concussions. They would just said you got your bell ring. How many fingers? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but, uh, <laughs> But back then, my uh, my right knee that I had replaced two, uh, a few months ago uh, was starting to give me problems and swelling up on me. And really, my right knee uh, uh, wasn't holding up uh, for an NBA season about uh, that time. So that time, I was pretty healthy and in shape, uh, but I only played half a year. Uh, so my knee was, was okay. But uh, eventually, my knee caught up with me. Okay. Well, well. So, well, so know, after France, uh, yeah, it is a lot more yeah. physical than. Yeah, it's a different times, different time, man. The guys were bang, and then nobody. Some of the injuries weren't even diagnosed back then. You just go out and play. Oh, no. And, yeah, and and coach and coach mentioned that you had three games in a row sometimes back then, right? So yeah, now I they mean, talk about back to backs and how hard it is to adjust and all yeah, of that. Yeah. And there was I no load management back then. No, I yeah, load management. Way. Shut up! Get out there. <laughs> I mean, I'll t I'll tell you, like uh, one of my last years with the Bucks, I had hurt my knee. Uh, the doctor said, you know, it's your ACL. It's not it's not uh, uh, snap, ruptured, but but it's frayed. So it's pretty much a non-functioning ACL is what it is. And I said, well, you know, if I have surgery, I'm out a month and a uh, year and a half. Well, I might as well call it quits. I'm done. Uh, so what else can you do? They said, well, we can, uh, you build up your hamstring, build up your quad, build up your calf, and then we'll put a CTI brace on it. And I played like that for three or four years with a non-functioning <laughs> ACL. But, uh, wow. you know, that year in the playoffs, shoot, I, I, uh, I drained my knee after a game for oh. eight games, eight games oh, in a row. I drained my knee and, uh, you know, it's caught up with me, but, uh, you know, I, I did what I had to do to stay in the league. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I, I never did retire. 
they I tell people they people ask me when did you retire? I never retired. They just stopped paying me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't latch on to any team anymore. But then you went into coaching. <laughs> yeah, you went you went into coaching, coach. I mean, you said it, it's a passion of yours. Uh, was it something you were thinking about already, like during this time with the Warriors yeah. and Cavs late in your career? You're saying I'm going to be a coach for sure. Yeah, Nelly. Back in in Milwaukee, Nelly did a unique thing for, for a coach back then. What he did is, when we got to the playoffs, he would uh, evaluate, he would scout teams, and he would put uh, a a big player like Bob Lanier in charge of the big players. And he'd put a guard like Sidney Moncrief in charge of the guards. And what they would do in their mm. groups, they would break down films. So we would break down, uh, you know, uh, uh, the guards would break down how they want to guard Dennis Johnson and Danny Ainge and whoever. And then we would break down film and we'd say how we want to guard McHale and Parrish and Bird. And then we'd come together and meet and Nelly would ask everybody, okay, what did you decide on? And then everybody would exchange ideas. And that's how we did a scouting report. But you got a chance to see how film was broken down and scouting reports were written and what's more to the game than just going on the floor and playing. So I got involved in that uh, a little bit in Milwaukee. But in uh, Golden State that year, he put me in charge before we played the Spurs on how we're going to play David Robinson and stuff. So I broke down film and I wrote reports and I shared my report with the team. And I was kind of a, a, a big man coach as a player and uh, that kind of got my blood flowing of, Hey, there's more to this game than just going out and playing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and from there, you know, you go into the X's and O's, which I love. I love the way the NBA is now NBA slash Euro style, uh, a little too soft for me, but you know, college, <laughs> you know, I, there's just all these things that, you know, you learn how to do. And, you know, I was an advanced scout and assistant mm-hmm. coach for the uh, Dallas Mavericks for five years. I have scouting reports in my files here in my office. I have the triangle offense. You want that? I got it broken down. I got diagrams, everything. You you want uh, uh, Larry Brown's offense? You want Popovich's offense? And Sam's? I got it all right in his files, right in my office, because that's what I did as an event scout. And then you learn yeah. the game, you know, and then you need strategies. I learned strategies because – you know, I was, I was writing up scouting reports, and at, at the scouting report, I had to put in the substitution pattern of the team I was scouting. Yeah. I'm like, this is a headache, man. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this guy comes out at four minutes, and this guy, well, it takes me an hour to do this. So at one point, I asked Nelly, I said, Nelly, do you use this this uh, substitution pattern thing? He goes, yeah, that's one of the most important things I use. I go, really? Why? He said, because I always want them to adjust to me. I never want to adjust to their rotation. So if I know they want to go small in the four, in the end of the second quarter, I'm going to put in a big unit so they can't go small. And he, so he he taught me those kind of things that I never thought of before. Nice, nice. And, uh, and I used later on. And, I mean, getting coached by Del Harris, Hall of Famer, Don Nelson, Hall of Famer, Lenny Wilkins, Hall of Famer, uh, that shared their knowledge of the game and their love of the game just – you know, fueled my fire to want to go uh, that direction. Plus, you know what? I was never made or ne- or never did I want a real job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you got one. <laughs> nice. Well, here's a nice photo of you with a guy from Duke. Yeah. Dukey. G-Man. Mike yep. Yep. Mike That's my golf tournament, my Children's Hospital golf tournament in Milwaukee we did. We raised over a million dollars for Children's Hospital. Nice. Yep. Yeah. That was fun having... 
these guys, Moses would come back, Steve Kerr would come back, all these guys would come back. I, I um, think and, uh, Jaminski was still with the Nets at this time, right? Uh, not yeah. with the Sixers yet. Yeah. 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 Hadn't been traded for, for, for Mo yet. Yeah. 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 Mike Jaminski, of course, played at Duke. Uh, and then the next photo, Carly, let's let's look at it. I think this must be. Oh, well, this was. I think your number was retired. Was it? Was your number retired at Crespi? Yeah, that's my high school. Uh, that's my two sons. Uh, Brian's the one on the right. He's our youngest. He's seven foot. And then Michael <laughs> is the Michael is the other one. He's six eight. Uh, they both yeah. played lower level college and both played overseas. Uh, Michael played in Peru, and Brian played in England for a while. Uh, uh, Brian is now working for Caesars here in Las Vegas. He is with the special response arm team, their SWAT team. And then uh, Michael uh, has been a, a deputy on the streets. And now he's in the office of the district attorney as an investigator. And he lives in here in Vegas with their wives. So that's awesome. And, nice. Uh, that's the athletic director. And that's the coach, uh, Crespi, back then. Um, I think if you look, that's 44. That's my records of. Uh, I think I had 18, I had 28 rebounds in a game. I think I had 18 block shots in a game. Um, wow. And I had, it's kind of messed up. I think I scored 42 in a game and someone broke my record and scored 45, but they had three <laughs> pointers and I didn't have three pointers. There's a bunch of tall people in this photo because the guy in the suit's probably about six. Three, maybe six, four. Yeah, he's pretty. Yeah, he's, yeah. When you get like, you get a, when you get a picture with my family, <laughs> like, my my Michael got married uh, last last summer, and there's a picture of myself and my two sons, and you know we're all just you know right here. So you know we could be seven foot or we could be six foot. <laughs> yeah, but but it's great that you know your sons are also living with you in the same city, oh, right? I mean that that, are, you know, that rarely happens in the states, right? Yeah, it, it does, and you know, uh, we've been fortunate. They're they're both married, and and uh, both wives uh, work here in town. They work here in town. We had them all over for Thanksgiving awesome. yesterday, so it was awesome. I mean, that's you know, you talk about twelve year NBA career, twenty year coaching career, all that, but that's that that's what it's about right there. You know, your your mm -hmm. legacy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. How many and grandkids you got? I keep telling them yeah. I was a good player. Like, look, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Look at the numbers! Come on. <laughs> yeah. How many? How many right. grandchildren do you have now? None yet. We have grandpuppies. Oh. We have no <laughs> grandpuppies. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, how are you involved in, in in basketball now, Coach? You still do some camps, uh, some coaching. I do a, a few camps. I do consulting. Uh, I'm going to consult with a minor league team here. Um, uh, there's a couple. Uh, high school players here that uh, their parent might want me to work, start working with them and breaking down film and working with them on the court. Um, you know, and I do my podcast. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, every, every Monday, it's on Facebook Live. Uh, we got next, and uh, we talk. You guys, we got this type of basketball. We love talking about it. We've had some great guests on. We had Moses Malone. Uh, you know, back in the day, we had uh, Dr. J. We had Ice Ice. Uh, Ice Gervin, we've had some great Byron Scott that you guys know, uh, but uh, we had him I, on the show too. Yeah, I yeah, enjoy yeah, keep, yeah. keeping in touch with you guys, guys like that. I like, I love talking basketball, and mm -hmm. you know, yeah. every once in a while, uh, so there's some of my players that are coaching in high schools or colleges that you know will call up and will, you know, uh, I don't know if you can see it. I got my my whiteboard back here that 
you know, I do diagrams on forum and stuff and, you know, so I keep involved, but, you know, at, my body has taken its toll. I had my knee replaced uh, a few months ago. I've had uh, four foot surgeries and, you know, so I can't get around like I used to, but uh, I mm -hmm. love being involved any way I can. Yeah, yeah. And I was telling Coach uh, Mo, guys, uh, a few years ago, I remember seeing him on TV in the Jones Cup. He was coaching against the Philippines. Uh, yeah. You know, for, for, for was that a U? That was a U.S. team, right? United yeah, States team. Yeah, I coached the USA team, and we played the back then. They, it was there. It was those teams: the Philippines national team, Korean national team, uh, uh, Iranian national team. were all getting ready for, to qualify for the Olympics, so they brought mm -hmm. their national teams to the Jones Cup, and that was just the fun. I kind of had a ragtag team and did the best I could, but man, that was a great a great tournament uh, that they yeah. brought there. No yeah, championship yeah. game. Yeah, just yeah, no championship. Yeah, yeah. Whoever, whoever's at the top of the end, that's a champion. Well, we upset yeah. we upset Iran, their national team, and we took uh, I think we took Japan to overtime, but that's about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's where I last saw you on, on television, uh, coach. And then yeah, but yeah. that's you know that's great. Uh, so right now that, that that's that Paul Mokeski watches uh, podcast. We got next. Okay, I actually watched some portions of one of your your episodes. <laughs> Yeah, then, then, oh then, wow! Then. Look at Coach Jude. You see the guy on your left? That's a good friend of ours. His name's yeah. Coach. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. No. Good Jude. Well, you know, that's at uh, Impact Sports here, where all the guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's a team manager of uh, one of the top college teams here, and they usually go to the states every yeah. uh, every summer here to train. So they yeah, this here. must be one of their training sessions. Yeah, I yeah. was watching. I was watching uh, some NBA guys work out, and they were scrimmaging the impact team on the next court. I remember that. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. uh, the other one is I'm with the Great Britain. I'm assistant coach. Chris Finch was the head coach. Nick Nurse was the assistant, and that's in the 2012 Olympics in London. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Nick Nurse eventually won an NBA title as well as head coach. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping I'm hoping Chris Finch gets his. Minnesota's playing well right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they are. are. They are. They are. Yeah. So I mean, the coaching, the coaching world is is huge, but it's also small. You know, like you guys are. You you talk basketball, and you know, I, I've I've been fortunate to coach over 23 years. I I coached at USC in college. I've I've coached in the G League for eight years. I coached in the old CBA for five years. I got to coach with the Dallas Mavericks for five and in Charlotte for two. Uh, I've coached internationally with the Great Britain national team and the Jamaican national team. I coach up in the Canadian league, you know, so, uh, you know, I've, I've got basketballs in my blood and I've been able to do it my whole life. So I've been blessed. That's great. Well, we're really blessed to have had you today, but before we end, we have to get into our last segments for this show, uh, coach. So that was uh, the time capsule brought to us by Fitbit. And it uh, helps everyone in the world get healthier from counting your steps to giving personalized insights on your heart rate and sleep patterns. Log your exercise and access great tools and content on the Fitbit Premium, all on the Fitbit platform. Check out your line of products on Fitbit.com. Feel the power. Now, you know, as we enter, guys, anything to, to add before we go into the oh, regular segments? Uh, uh, I just well, wanted to ask if you, if, if you play golf nowadays. You still play golf. I, I haven't since my foot surgeries and my knee. Uh, I used to play all the time. Uh, I got really good. Uh, I played in a lot of the celebrity tournaments. I got to three handicap, four handicap. But wow. uh, with, with my feet, it's been limited. 
Uh, I've got my new knee replacement. So I'm kicking around, maybe giving it a couple months and at least going to the driving range because it was a sport I really love to play. Mm-hmm. Well, we wish you the best on that. Hope you can get back on the course pretty soon. Okay, let's enter the Twilight Zone. You know, this means that our show is about to end. And in the Twilight Zone, we have our first segment. It's called X's or O's. And you can, it's brought to us by Tuminugan Farm. Check that out. Look how beautiful oh, that is. Video if you need and unwind, why not rejuvenate and reconnect with nature right at the foot of the Kitanglad mountain range in Bukidnon? You can choose from a wide range of accommodations, the farmhouse, the bungalow, the cottage, or the tulugan. It can accommodate entire families, groups of friends, backpackers, even team-building events. Check out tuminuganfarm.com or IG or FB for more information. Book now. You can start your Mindanao adventure there today. Look at that beautiful place. You better go there one day. Okay. We should do a show from there. All of us should do <laughs> Yes, sir. That's yeah. exactly was, what Sid said last week. I was, was going to ask you, have you been to the Philippines? Yeah, if you, have you yeah. been to the Philippines before? Uh, no. Uh, we played the Philippines in the Jones Cup, too, I think. But no, I, I uh-huh. uh, Time to come over, Coach. If, if you decide yeah, to come yeah. over, just let us know. I, I've done, I've been to like forty two countries I think or forty five I love I'd love to visit I've heard great things from uh, Alan Lister and and others and you know maybe we put together a camp out there. Great, sure. Just let yeah, us know, coach. We can help you out with that yeah, one. We, we can help you. Out. Yeah. So in XSROs, I've got a bunch of I have a list of stuff. I just want you to choose, make a choice. You don't have to explain why. That's your choice. So let's go down the list one by one, coach. Number one, Rick Barry or Rudy Tomjanovich. Uh, talent-wise, I got to go with Rick Barry. Rick Barry, okay. Okay. Bob Lanier, Bob Lanier, or Moses Malone. Moses, I mean, Moses. I, Bob's before knees. Knees, Bob is right in there, but Moses is not no, Moses. Yeah, yeah, different level. Okay. Tiny, yeah. Tiny Archibald, Tiny Archibald, or Calvin Murphy. Ooh, Tiny was a handful, but I got to go with my guy Murph. Okay, yeah, because you're Tonka. That's right. Okay, <laughs> Doctor J or Larry Bird? Well, I love Doc, but I gotta go with Larry. Okay, Sixers or Celtics? I think the uh, even uh, even better than a full 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 team, full five full. I think I can't remember which year it was, '85 or whatever that was, when uh, Bill Walton was the backup. I think, that's one, yeah, I, think, I think that's one of the best teams ever in the game. Go Celtics! You go Celtics! Okay. How about this, Randy Brewer, Alton Lister, or Jack Sigma? Oh, uh, Jack. I'm, I'm, Jack! I love those other guys, but Jack's a Hall of Famer. Come on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and okay. And he's got a move named after him, the Sigma. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The turnaround, <laughs> Jay, over the head from behind the head. Hard That's to guard, right. man. Do you know if he's shooting or driving? I don't know what he's doing. Here, here's a sub question for that. Do you like him with the Prince Valiant cut or the perm? <laughs> <laughs> Which hairstyle did you like for Jackson? Where'd that come well, from? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, people think I had a perm, but I didn't. It was my natural hair, which I don't have anymore. <laughs> But uh, uh, I like the perm. I like the perm. You I mean, like the perm. My, you like the perm. My, my fro was a real fro, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. You had a <laughs> legit fro. Okay. Isaiah Thomas or Sidney Moncrief? It's a hard one. I, I, I love Sid, but I, I got to go with Isaiah. Isaiah. Okay. How about this? Uh, Andrew, Andrew Tony or Danny Ainge? Ooh, Tony. Oh, I mean, Tony. Said, he's the assassin. Come on. Yeah. Dennis yeah. Johnson or Maurice Cheeks? Ooh. Uh, love Mo Cheeks, but DJ was the guy. He 
God rest his soul. He actually passed away in a, mm-hmm. in a game. Yeah. I was getting ready to coach against him in the G League or D League. Oh, wow. But he was the guy that if you ask, ask I think Larry Bird or, or Bill, no, Larry Bird or Bill Walton said he's the best player he ever played with. Mm-hmm. Who he played well, with on that was Bird. Bird said that, yeah. Yep. yeah Bird, but DJ, yeah. DJ would just cruise and pass and defend and blah, 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 till the game was on the line. And then he'd take those stupid 15-footers that always win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think some angst in that. Okay, okay. How about this one? Uh, Terry Cummings or Marcus Johnson? Uh, Terry TC stronger. Marcus more talent. I think Marcus. Plus, Marcus, okay. plus he's in, plus he's in uh, uh, White Man Can't Jump. So yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. He's an he's an actor, right? Okay. How about yeah. this, Nelly, Nelly or Delhi? Del Harris or Don Nelson? Two opposite coaches. Uh, uh, Coach Harris is, they call him the professor. Nobody knows X's and O's more than him. Nelly was the player coach, think out of the box in the battle. If Nelly, I have to go with Nelly. Nelly okay. Both in the okay. Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Next one Mitch Richmond or Ron Harper? Ron before he got his knee injury, but Mitch is, oh, Mitch is, Mitch. Was one of the underrated uh, uh, run TMCs, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. How about Tim Hardaway or Mark Price? Mark, great passer, gave me a lot of jump shots, but Tim Hardaway's crossover killed a lot of people. Okay, so it's Hardaway. Kareem or Robert Parrish? Ooh. Robert, you know, he's kind of lulling around in his career, then got to the Celtics and, and had championships. But Kareem, skyhook, no question. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magic or Michael? I, I wish more players would do the skyhook now. I yeah. don't understand. Hey, I mean, same here. Yeah, I mean, I like Wembyamba yeah. from San Antonio, he should do that. No one, could, come on, no one to block that. Anyway, sorry. Exactly. Yeah, Ma- <laughs> Magic or Michael? Uh, the three best players I ever played against, I say, you know, people ask me all the time, was Magic, Bird, and MJ, you know, in the GOAT uh, talk. But MJ, best athlete. Uh, uh, Bird, maybe the best player. Who knows? But Magic, six nine point guard, helped me get buckets. I'm gonna go with Magic. Okay. <laughs> How about this? Let's, let's go. Let's go modern. Embiid or Jokic? Joker. I mean, Joker. Uh, I love Embiid. Yeah, I love Embiid, but the Joker does everything, and you know, he's almost got a three pointer, right? Yeah, he just slings it up there. I mean, but. You know, I think, uh, you know, just the passer he is. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. How about, how about this? A center playing outside or playing at the post? Um, I wish that Horn would play inside out. I mean, when, when uh, Denver gave Miami trouble last year in the finals, it was when they were posting up the Joker, right? And he was mm-hmm. going to town. So I would, I wish they would play more inside. Uh, even if it's off the block a little bit, but eh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, so post. Okay, playing or coaching? Uh, physically coaching, money wise, <laughs> and uh, adrenaline playing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> playing. Okay. You know what? No, playing. Playing because coaching. You know, once you get off of practice and out of the locker room, you can't do anything. I mean, you can make subs and adjustments, but they're out there playing. That's why a lot of great players, um, Magic tried it, uh, some other guys tried it, you know, can't be 
good coaches because it's frustrating. You can't go do it. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's pretty tough for them. Bird, bird had great success there. Okay, next one. He showed the photo, Carly. Samuel Jackson ah. or Lawrence Fishburne? <laughs> oh man, I, I gotta go with Samuel because he's got the hat on. I mean, okay. <laughs> Samuel Jackson. All right. And then the last one before we end XSROs. Let's show it. Which one? Uh my shoot. Uh uh on any given Sunday. You gotta okay. go with Pacino, oh. right? Yeah. Pacino, that's yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, I just, I, but yeah, you know, it's a <laughs> game of inches, gentlemen. It's yeah. a game of inches. There you go. That's Texas Rose for episode one ninety nine. I'm gonna throw it over yeah. to Noel. Noel, it's your turn. That's, that's a really bad Pacino attempt on on my part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just want to know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm just curious to know. You played 12 years in the NBA. You had various teammates. You gotta have your five greatest teammates. Who are your five favorite teammates that you've ever played with in the NBA? Tony Moncrief, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> man, can't believe this question hasn't been asked to you before. <laughs> Because you're asking about teammates, you know, you're, you know, yeah, teammates, uh, yeah, yeah. my favorite teammates, Sydney, okay, Chris Mullins, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Sigma, mm-hmm. okay, um, golly, ah, <laughs> uh, Larry Nance, there's oh, one. Okay. okay, one of the. Look at his footage of the dunk contest. Look at what how high above the rim he did. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He did some unbelievable. Yeah. There's a picture in the New York Times after we played him. He got low bridged, and there's a picture. His feet were up there, and his head was here, and he was about three feet off the ground. And somehow he landed on his feet like a cat. So <laughs> um, I'm gonna pick, uh, yeah, Larry, and then uh, oh man. number five, one more. I'm going to say ju- just because Bob Lanier, just an interesting dude, mm. man. Just an interesting nice. dude. And he was president of Player Association for years. He's done so much for the game. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he was. Too bad. Rest in peace yeah. to, to Bob Lanier. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Thanks, thanks. Mm. Okay. Uh, my question for you, Coach Paul, Woo, first of all, it's brought good. to you by Barrio Festa. Visit I'm having you brand for <laughs> a very that's delicious. That's a pork leg. Yeah, that's yep. a fried pork uh, leg right there. And uh, and uh, oh my gosh, what's the other one? Crispy oh, pata. Crispy <laughs> pata. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, that one. I know. So, yeah. Okay. Barrio Festa. My question for you, uh, Coach Paul, is if you could have dinner with any basketball player or coach or personality, uh, living or dead, uh, American or otherwise. You know, who would it be and why? Mm. That's a tough one. Um, uh, number one, I think there would be two. Uh, one coach and one player. The okay. coach would be John Wooden because I grew up watching his UCLA teams. And he just, you know, he's written books and I've read them. And, you know, just to sit down, I, I have met him. Uh, but just to have dinner with him would be something. And then I'm going to say uh, Will Chamberlain. Um, you know, I I, I met him. Uh, I actually played pickup games against him back in the day after he'd been retired in California. 
Um, and I was at his uh, uh, Jersey retirement at Kansas in Al Fieldhouse. But I would love to get down and have dinner with him and just talk about all he went through and all the negative stuff people told him and, you know, uh, you know, uh, all the prejudice that was going on back then and, and how the hell can you score a hundred points in a game? I don't <laughs> care if nobody was guarding you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Okay, and he averaged, choices, by the way. he averaged 50 yeah. points that season. Yeah. Can, can you imagine that? <laughs> it's unbelievable. And he, I think he had a couple seasons, averaged 20 rebounds too. I mean, you know, you've got to look at the, you know, if you're talking about the best individual player ever, it's him. It has nothing to do with championships, even though he won two. It has to do with the best individual player offense. Scored 100 points. He scored. Yeah. I just saw a thing He uh, of scoring, like, he scored 10 times as many 60 points than anybody else in history. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like that. He's the only center ever to lead the NBA in assists when he played with That's the Lakers. Right. Uh, he, seven, he blocked so many shots they couldn't even keep track of. Uh, you know, so what else could he do? Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, they actually just, all they actually didn't they keep track yet of blocks during yeah. his uh, yeah, they, 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 career. If they, had, they only put him, they only put him down because he didn't win that many championships. Of course, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's crazy that they say Russell was a better player than he was. Mm-hmm. Maybe Russell was great, but yeah. as a player, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, rings white. I think he still has thirty-two NBA records. Still, mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of them will yeah. never be broken. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. But, yeah, but I mean, plus off the court, not only is whatever women, but you know, he played. <laughs> he played professional volleyball. He ran track at track. He, you know, he did so much stuff. Those were the globe trotters too, right? Exactly. He was a globe trotter. Look yeah. at that footage. People say, "Well, you know, back then, watch him with the globe trotters dribble down the full court, go between his legs, and pass behind his back." Full. Court. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep. That's an athlete right there. Yeah, Will Chamberlain kept the the ladies guessing. Okay, okay. Then, well, that's, that's the Barrio Fiesta question. Uh, Sid, you good? Yep. Okay, great, great answers. Are John Wooden and and and, and uh, of course Will Chamberlain. Okay, and then now we just enter Hello Porky. This is the last portion. It's called Hello Porky. It's the greeting portion, Coach. Anyone you want to give a shout out to, acknowledge, say thank you to in your long basketball career, you can do it right now before we let you go. Well, uh, obviously my family, my wife, Linda, uh, who's been with me for 42 years through the good and the bad, uh, our two sons, Michael and Brian and their wives and, you know, Don Nelson, Del Harris, uh, they hired me in, in Dallas when nobody else would as a coach, uh, and all the players I played with, um, you know, just, uh, having this type of career is beyond my imagination, uh, playing basketball for a living, uh, visiting 45 different countries. The basketball took me all over the world to meet great people and have great times. Uh, but uh, family is, is so important. Okay. Well, that's great. That's wow. Paul Mokeski. That's the Paul Mokeski story. We got it here on an eternity of basketball. Thanks so much, Coach, for coming Absolutely. on and sharing all those stories for us. Before we go, we'd like to thank, of course, San Miguel Corporation for always being with us. We are part of the Global Bowling Network. As well, SMC with Tuminugan Farm Fitbit and Barrio Fiesta. We'd just like to say thank you to PBA Archives and PH Sports Bureau for the photos and all the information that they help us with every week. And then uh, birthday celebrants from the AAOB family. This past week, Frederick Tengsu, Dean Dupomar, and Freddie Webb, Vince Hezon, Dean Tolson, and Nilo Cruz. Happy birthday to all of you. And uh, well, that's it for episode 199. It's now in the books. We're going to have episode 200 next week. That's right. Yeah. So, 
Thanks uh, to Coach Paul on behalf of my partners, Noel Zarate and Sid Ventura, and of course, Carly and Aaron in the background for Globally Ballin. I'm Charlie Kuna saying thank you so much. God bless you, Coach Paul, and uh, we hope to see you in the Philippines soon. Absolutely. So thank you, everybody. We'll Enjoyed see you it, soon. Everybody. All right. Thanks thank so much, you. Coach. Thank I'll send you, you the link. I'll send you all the right. link for the show afterwards. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. God bless you all. Thank you. Happy all birthday, right. Charlie.